Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the MJ Cast. It's Saturday, the 12th of December. We've got a massive show planned for everybody today. We're going to be talking all about Spike Lee's new off-the-wall documentary, a million leaks that have happened in the last 48 hours, a new website from Chris Cadman all about the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, an update from Charles Thompson on the Vera Sarova and Eddie Cassio lawsuit, and a new Michael Jackson photograph on display in the Berlin Museum of Photography. All next on the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. I love, <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Welcome to episode twenty-two of the MJ Cast. This is Jenkins. Get <laughs> <laughs> over. <laughs> the Jenkins takeover. <laughs> the Jenkins takeover. We don't even really need to introduce Jenkins now because he's just done that himself. Well, knock knock. <laughs> knock knock. <laughs> oh, uh, who's there? Who Jenkins is there? <laughs> Everyone, this is a dual episode of the MJ Cast and a Moonwalk Talks, and today hey. we are so happy to have Who Jenkins, the host of Moonwalk Talks. <laughs> On the show with us today, Jenkins, welcome to the show. Thank you. And for everybody listening to Moonwalk Talks, this is a dual episode with the MJ cast. Give it up for them, and thank you guys for being on my show as well. (laughs) (laughs) G'day, and welcome to Moonwalk Talks. This is Q. I love it. Oh, that's such an overly Aussie accent. <laughs> I, should do, I should do my uh, my Queensland accent. Where's your Queensland accent? How come you don't have a Queensland accent, Jamin? Oh, you want to hear my Queensland accent, mate? Yes, I do, mate. <laughs> totally <laughs> bogan. So you're cool doing the like 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 Southern American. Like, hey, y'all doing down there? And welcome to MJ Cast, and we're gonna do it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> It's so good to be here. I'm so happy to be talking to you, Jenkins, today. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know if I can... um, I don't know if I can do it. I I think every single time I try to do an Australian accent, it ends up being British. Okay, just go for it. (laughs) um, Okay, okay. Okay, you guys say something, and I'll just try to mimic it. Okay. Oh, crikey. The 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 crocodile stole my dog. Oh, the crocodile stole my dog. <laughs> See, I keep going to like a British accent. I can't help it. Kind of, yeah. But that's where our accent originated from. So yeah, I can see course. why you would. But but like in the US, it's far more subtle, I think, in Australia. In the US, there's like different areas have quite unique accents. Like in the South or over in New Jersey um, oh, yeah, and sure. then up there. So in Australia, there's slight variations yeah, as slight. well. Like. When I moved from Queensland over to Western Australia, everyone was like, have you got a New Zealand accent? And I was like, no, I don't. I'm from Queensland. <laughs> because over there, it's so, you know, if you go to school and then you swim in the pool, it's really cool. 
<laughs> it's so cool, yeah, you know. It's Queensland's cool. I remember cool. watching an episode of I was watching an episode of a Flight of the Concords because I love that show. And they were talking about like they're like, "Are you Australian?" And they're like, "No." And it's like, "What do you mean?" Is that like, you guys sound exactly the same? I'm like, no, we don't. They say, "There's the car," and we say, "There's the car." You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the New Zealand thinking, accent yeah. is a whole other thing. Though. Like, you know, you're hanging out with Mick and Phil and those chicks, and then you go and have some chips. <laughs> that's a terrible New Zealand accent. Hell, yeah, so I apologize to every single <laughs> listener that we've just offended. I'm so sorry. That was fun. In America, like I would say, like in the South, like because I'm from, I'm from technically we call. I mean, it's Oklahoma, but it's it's sort of the South. I mean, people would call it the Midwest of the South. We don't really know, uh, but like people will say that like um, around me, like a lot of people do have accents that are Southern accents. That's why I can do the Southern accent so well because all my family's real country. But when I, I moved to LA. Los Angeles, and uh, when I was there, nobody thought that I had an accent, and, and and like no, like everybody's like, "Are you from here?" And I'm like, "Nah, I'm actually from um, Oklahoma." And they're like, "Well, you don't sound like it because Oklahoma people sound like this, you know, like, <laughs> like Blanche Devereaux." <laughs> yeah, they have just a little bit more of a twang to it, and so and or and the only time that they would catch me is if I said something like "y'all," and sometimes I will say "y'all," which is "you all" or "you guys," and so I say, yes. "Hey, what are y'all doing over there?" And, uh, you know, they said, you say y'all, that sounds like a Southern thing. Are you from the South? <laughs> but they also say y'all up in like Indiana because of my shout out to my friend, Tim, congratulations on your recent marriage, by the way, when I've been over to Indiana to visit him or when we talk on the phone, you know, he's always like, oh, y'all down there in Australia. And he's got that <laughs> sort of accent. And, and I have yeah. to say, I really actually quite like the word y'all. And I'm surprised <laughs> it's, we it's, haven't it's... done that in Australia because we shorten everything into <laughs> a short version oh yeah every single word we will shorten it like you know it will actually lengthen words to shorten them so if your name is tom <laughs> we'll say tomo which is actually extra syllables but like you know in in wa we've got um beaches like scarborough and cottesloe beach and down in Fremantle, so we'll go scarbs scarbs cot, um, down at the cot or down at frio so we shorten everything. Huh. I guess I, I guess it also makes it more catchy, though, because, like, Tom, I mean, Tomo, it's not really shorter, but it's just more catchy, I would say. So maybe you guys just make more catchy phrases. I think that's an accurate description. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look, it's really great that we can do this. i got to say, I've been a long-time uh, Moonwalk Talks listener, and I've been looking forward to being able to collaborate uh, Jenkins for a long time. So, thanks for thanks for agreeing to do this. It's uh, I think oh, we're going to have yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, this is awesome, dude. I, it's, I've been I've been waiting to talk to you guys because you know, like I was saying earlier, I don't really talk to other people that are like super MJ fans like I am. <laughs> and so it's so great. I mean, plus you know, you guys' this podcast is fantastic. Like it's it's so great to see how much it's grown since the beginning. It's insane. And mm -hmm. so yeah, so it's so great to, uh, to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Yep. It's far longer than yours. Yours is far more concise <laughs> and far focused. more focused. Yeah, absolutely. We, do, That's... we just waffle on like crazy <laughs> for two and a half hours. You, you That's... Know that's what I like so much about your show, Jenkins, though, is that every episode has a really focused theme to it. And, like, it might only be half an hour to 40 minutes long, but you just really dive really deep into that topic, whatever it is. It's, it's a really great concept. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, as, 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 while we're sitting here saying nice things, but, but that's, <laughs> that's what I like about you guys is, like, and it's, like, well, I like that, that you guys are able to sit there and have this nice, cool conversation between each other about how much you enjoy this guy that, you know, 
this 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 superstar that none of us have ever met. You know, it's pretty. It's such a cool thing. And like, believe me, if I had somebody that I was sitting here with, <laughs> and we could just rattle on about MJ, oh my God, we'd probably it'd probably four hour episodes. You know, it's like, it's, but since I don't really have anybody to talk to about it, it's like I like doing the whole you know researching a whole bunch and reading and and and, and watching videos and then just trying to compress it into this one thing to where um, you know people can just kind of, um, you know, learn more about Michael Jackson than actually, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of neat to, you know, have like a like a little lesson study about, you know, what what happened in MJ's life or something, you know, I don't know. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, you're, the recent episode you did was, I think it was uh, on the origins of, no, it was about Billie Jean, wasn't it? The identity of yeah, Billie, Billie Jean. Jean. And I listened to that one a few days ago and I was thinking, how long did it take you to compile all of the research for that? Because it's a very comprehensive episode. Um. I, you know, it, it didn't. It really doesn't take me long to do the research. Look, I have different ways of doing it. Like I have like little cheats that I do use. I have way to um, instead of because I've read a lot of MJ's books, but I don't know them by heart. I've, I've pretty much mm. only read. I've met, I read Moonwalk, you know, like three or four times. I've read Jermaine's twice, but everything else I've only read once. And so, in order to go through all that stuff, because I'm not going to remember everything, I have um, all the books compiled in a. Um, and a PDF on my phone, on my computer, to where I can just search out certain topics, and so that way mm-hmm. I can look through them and then go that way. And then, I, then I just the research probably takes about I would say twenty four hours of time. As like as far as you know, different, you know, uh, not all, not one whole twenty four hours, but you know, all together. And um, well, I would say it probably takes twenty four hours to do the whole the whole episode. Like as far as research, recording, editing, finding, you know, getting clips, blah blah blah. All that good stuff. But yeah, it, it doesn't really take me too long to do the research, luckily, because I've got it kind of streamlined now. But yeah, I think it's really cool. Like sort of our shows really sort of address things from such a different angle. It sort of covers all different bases. And I think that's really cool. So yeah, you know, people will like stuff about the way you do yours and then people enjoy stuff we do with ours. So I actually stopped doing the news on my podcast because you guys do the news. And so there's no reason for me to do it as well. So because <laughs> I would I would always do like a little news segment like for, I did it for like maybe two or three episodes. But you guys do like a way more comprehensive one. So I was like, I don't need to do the news. So I stopped doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's like, I just think that if, if, if people are going to listen to two different podcasts, if they're going to listen to Michael Jackson podcast, I'm sure they don't want to hear the, the news on both of them. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, right. I just like I like doing the whole story arc of it anyway. So it's like, you know, I'd rather them listen to you guys' podcast and get the news, you know. Quite often the news kind of overtakes our shows. That's Very much so. Like there's so much news that comes out. Like even just this week, our our total aim for this week was let's keep the news section really light because we want to have a great <laughs> discussion section with Jenkins. And oh. like just in the last 48 hours, like literally 20 new things have leaked to do with Michael yeah. Jackson. Like it's like we're cursed. <laughs> Yeah, you, like, you you listeners cannot see the the new the, the news. I mean, the notes here. I mean, I guess you guys will eventually see them. But it is like it is massive. It, when when they first sent me the notes for all you listening, it was it was just a few little notes. Or, you know, this and this and this. And like, oh yeah, we might do this. And then when I look at today, it is paragraphs upon paragraphs <laughs> of links. It's like so these guys they do their they do their work. I'm telling you. So yeah. <laughs> so where can people uh, find your site and you on the internet and your show Jenkins moonwalktalks.com and uh, it's I think it's on almost every single podcast thing I think you can go to like you, you pretty much search moonwalk talks on a podcast app and it'll pop up or you can just go listen to it at moonwalktalks.com 
and yeah, we I've got it on iTunes. I've subscribed on iTunes, yeah. so the episodes automatically download for me, and then they're just there, ready for me to listen to, which I love. And uh, where where can my listeners? My listeners probably already listen to you guys, but where can my listeners find you guys' stuff at? So y'all stuff. Y'all website. Um, (laughs) Our site is uh, themjcast.com. We are on iTunes as The MJ Cast, and you can subscribe to us there or on via our page. You can subscribe to us there as well. We're on Facebook, The MJ Cast, Twitter, The MJ Cast, Instagram, The MJ Cast, Tumblr, themjcast.tumblr.com. Over on YouTube, it's plus the MJ cast. And please email us your thoughts on this dual episode or anything you want at the MJ cast at iCloud.com. And I was going to say, um, I know I didn't put this in the notes because I wanted to surprise you guys with it. Surprise! <laughs> yeah. But, but um, since, you know, normally we're the ones that are always asking the questions and you guys are always asking the questions. So I kind of wanted to interview you guys so we could peel back the layers and give a little bit to the listeners and give them a little insight about the processes and stuff is that okay with you guys yeah awesome yeah it sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> okay well first my first question is what made you guys want to start a michael jackson podcast over to you jamin hmm well i actually wanted to start a michael jackson podcast years ago like three or four years ago um and I just, I just didn't like. I, it took me a really, really long time to get the the motivation. Oh, not sorry, the, not the motivation. Actually, probably the, um, what's the word? The confidence to do it. Because I'm a big time podcast listener. I listen to a lot of ones, especially technology ones. And I see such a good job being done on so many podcasts. I was always worried that I wouldn't or we wouldn't be able to do as good a job as what I'm used to listening to. But finally, I got I got the equipment and the confidence. And the real reason I wanted to start it was because when you like, honestly, when you search the iTunes directory of podcasts and you type in Michael Jackson, there is literally like less than four or less than three currently yeah, updated Michael Jackson podcasts. And yours was there and we weren't there at that time. And we, and I was just thinking, it's not fair. If you search the Beatles or Elvis, there are stacks and stacks of podcasts for these guys. And Michael Jackson, it's just not fair that the greatest artist in entertainment history is not represented well in that space. Yeah, so, very true. Yeah, that was, the, that was the main reason. And I guess a secondary reason for me as well was like I grew up really blessed, I guess, to have a lot of Michael Jackson friends around me, uh, not so much physically, but online. So I interacted a lot with people in different cities around the world. And I've always had a, a great dialogue with people everywhere about everything to do with Michael Jackson um, since I became a fan in 2001. And I, and I got thinking there are really a lot of people out there that don't have that connection. And so our show, what, what Q and I aim to do is kind of bring that feeling to people that may not have. Uh, a lot of Michael Jackson fan friends that they can be privy to a conversation that might be happening about Michael Jackson news and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that was our inspiration, I think. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Jamin just said, hey, do you want to go on a podcast? I was like, uh, what's a podcast? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I actually listened to a bunch of podcasts, like my favorite comedy podcasts, uh, of course, the Darren Hayes, Tim Stanton, he said, he said show, Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn do a great dinner party show, comedy podcast. And then because my other obsession, i am put it out there because I'm obsessed with Michael Jackson and <laughs> Disney stuff. So my other um, podcasts I love listening to are like the Disney Hipster podcast, uh, Radio Harambe and Tokyo Disney Resort Now. 
So you know, um, because I, I listen to those. Sorry to interrupt you, but before on that Disney on that Disney thing, I remember listening to an episode. You're talking about the Disney thing. Now, I I just want to tell you this. I used I used to live out in L. A. I used to go to the Disney. I used to go to Disneyland almost every week. I was like oh. me and my wife. Me and my wife we have uh we had we had uh, season passes, and so. I worked like right next to the Disney to Disneyland, and so whenever I get off work, I would just go over there. Like one one time, I literally just went there, had dinner, got a piece of free candy from the ice cream shop, and then left. It's like I would be there like every <laughs> weekend, and like I just had to tell you that to make you jealous. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked. Totally worked. Completely jealous. Yeah. And that's the show. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We're done. <laughs> and fuck Jenkins because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so because I was enjoying like listening to podcasts, I was like, well. I, all I need to do is talk, isn't it? That's pretty easy. Unbeknownst to, I think, both of us, the amount of work that you actually have to put in. Like, Jamin yeah. looks after all the technical stuff because he's some sort of computer genius. I know how to sync <laughs> my iPhone. That's about it. So I sort of, because I was Twitter obsessed and I use Twitter all the time, he goes, well, do you want to look after some of this stuff? And I was like, oh, sure, yeah. So I do sort of a lot of the social media and um, that stuff, which – it sort of works out. I've learned how to do a bit more on Facebook compared to what I used to know. So, yeah, it just sort of worked out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and 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 not to not to hate on the other Michael Jackson podcast, but I remember when I before I started because I, I was like, oh man, you know, I really want to do a podcast because I was enjoying other podcasts. I went to go look at the other part of the because I was like, what would I talk about? Ninja Turtles, and I was like, because I love Ninja Turtles, and I was like, oh, I can't do that. <gasps> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I was like, but you know, I could talk about Michael Jackson more, so I was like, well, let me do that. And then I went on there and looked at the other podcast, and I was like, oh my geez, I think the only one that was still being updated, and I don't remember who this was, and I, I'm not going to say their name even, even if I do remember, but it was like it was being constantly updated, but it had like the worst quality of like microphone. They weren't really talking about anything. You couldn't understand what the person was saying. And I was like, oh my geez. It's like, and then there was like the thriller cast that hadn't been updated since like, I don't know, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 2008. Yeah. So I was like, oh my geez, this is terrible. So I was like, maybe it's a market that, you know, it needs, you know, some, this needs to happen. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Favorite Ninja Aside Turtle. From, say, oh, favorite Ninja Turtle. Uh, actually, you know what? This, this, is a, this is a cop out answer, but they're like my children. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael. Mine's Raphael. What you, have you seen yes. the trailer for the new film? Oh my! I just put a video up about uh, okay, and uh, believe me, I know it's stupid, but I, I put up a, a movie trailer review. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> I, cool. I was, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think it's so kind of dumb to re- like because all those people that like make a living off. Well, I guess if you're making a living off, it's not really that dumb. But uh, you know, people that go online and just sit there and review a movie trailer, like, oh my god, it's so crazy that this person popped up and blah blah blah. And so, but I went ahead and did that because um, I did a video a while back talking about ten ways to make the next Ninja Turtle movie better, and um, that got a whole bunch of views. So I was like, you know what? I guess I have to go and put my thoughts on the second movie trailer, even though I even address in the video how dumb it is of me reviewing a movie trailer. But yeah, I thought it was amazing. I I'm so hyped about the movie. I, really? I, oh, man. oh my god yeah i saw the first one and i was like i don't know like i, I mean i saw the re the michael bay new one at the yeah. cinema with my nephew and i was like this is not great <laughs> i did not love it at all i went home and i watched the original like 90s original film <laughs> and that you have to like like wash away awesome. the dirt of the new one yeah i did <laughs> so i maybe i'll go see the second one with my nephew but you know Seeing like Bebop and Rocksteady, I was like, "Oh fuck, this is gonna be so bad." 
Well, I, I just have to say, what, what, like, I could seriously talk about a whole other thing, like, so, but I'll have to stop it there because, because <laughs> I this this would end up being the whole Ninja Turtle podcast if I kept going about like <laughs> the new movie and da, da 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 Yeah, so I'll just I'll just have to say, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We me and you should talk about that another time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next question. Next question. Um, aside from Michael Jackson, who would be your dream guest on your show? Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson. That's a good one. <laughs> And I'll just say Latoya. <laughs> oh my God, that probably even better. <laughs> dream guest. Back when we started, we're like, oh, imagine if we could get our dream guest. Who would you pick? And I was like, oh, I always wanted to talk to Darren Hayes about his tribute song, which we did, which was incredible and one of my favorite episodes ever. And then Latoya Jackson, because I think she's so fabulous and it'd be just be the most entertaining show. I think we're, we're definitely working towards that. I think probably the dream guest for me um janet would be great so talking to anybody really close to michael when he was growing up from his family would be amazing in terms of i think in terms of his artistic growth like what he was doing in the studio as a musician later in his life in that in that last decade i think um an interview with michael prince and brad buxer would be incredible to find out the songs that he was working on that still the world hasn't hasn't really heard that would be an, an amazing experience it would. We haven't um, put out our sort of email requests to people for season two yet, but um, yeah, so that would be yeah, a good th- guess for season two. <laughs> I, I do think, I, I mean, I think you guys for, could for sure get LaToya. I mean, because, I mean, I don't know. I love LaToya. Like, that, the, the show is like one of my favorites. I love that show. Um, is, it, is it still on? Does it, mm. is it like, yeah. Um, I think it was, it is, or it I've only found two seasons. I only found two seasons. Yeah, so. it's, it's not being, I don't think it's being made anymore. I think the... Oh. Um, it's an American tragedy that they finished yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, you guys la, probably la, get it. That's with awesome. <laughs> la, 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 with oh, I think I think you guys already already kind of hinted at it but what's what's your favorite uh, non michael jackson related podcast hmm good question i i okay can i give two is that okay sure oh. yeah all right so science fiction related one i love the force cast which is a star wars related podcast i think that's uh, fantastic uh, and then the, my favorite technology podcast would have to be The Talk Show by John Gruber. It's a talk show, oh, sorry, a podcast all about Apple-related news like iPhone, iPad, Mac sort of news. So I really like that one in terms of tech. We are both such nerds. You're like the <laughs> tech nerd and the sci-fi nerd, which, yeah, that's awesome. And then I'm like the Disney nerd. So my favorite Disney podcast is the Disney Hipsters with Adam and Andrew and Jamie and Keith and they're just drunk and they just like talk and they bang the table and (laughs) it's hilarious and and crude, very crude and rude and swearing and yeah, lots of alcohol. So I love the Disney Hipster podcast. And then for comedy, the Darren Hayes, Tim Tim Stanton show, the He Said, He Said show is I love it. It's also crude and dick jokes and hilarious. It's great. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny because like like every single time you guys say something, I just want to go off into like a whole other conversation. Like you said, Star Wars, and I'm like, oh, you like Star Wars? Well, guess yeah. what? I'm a Star Wars nerd too. I would to- we could totally <laughs> rattle on for about eighty minutes about that. Well, especially because the new movie's coming out. So, oh, of course, oh my god, it's like yeah, I I love all that stuff, and especially like Disney. Oh my god, I could tell you so many crazy things that's happened like while we went 
to Disneyland because we be there all the time. And so I don't know. Anyway, that'll have to be a whole nother thing. You know, I don't know. But awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Um, okay, next question. Do you guys have a favorite episode of your own podcast and why? I saw well, I guess yeah, I, I know what you guys are gonna say. You're probably gonna say the last one with, with what's his name? Uh uh um, Taj Jackson. Yeah, with Taj, yeah. Yeah, for me that blew me away i just not just being able to speak to him which was such an honor and that he was so open and candid with us and answered everything so openly with such incredible detail all of that was amazing but just the stories that he told about neverland about the films michael wanted to work on in the future um and things like that like touring with him stuff like that just hearing those stories like I've listened to the show multiple times myself just to hear those stories. So I think that one, but before that it was the Darren Hayes podcast because also the amount of detail and how open he was with what he was talking about just um, from his point of view as a mega fan as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's so difficult. I've got so many favorites like the, the uh, Thomas Mesro special, um, that was a good one. I think, I think our first show ever was, really special to me because we we actually made it happen like it took so much work to get up and running and we actually did it so our first show episode one was really special to me but yeah i think taj jackson represents us in the best way because we capture a moment of history we capture him and his relationship with michael and then present that to to our audience and i think yeah for me it's probably the show that represents the mj cast the best so and it was definitely i think the most fun to record it was a total like trippy moment anytime we get to talk to somebody that you know we we've heard or seen so much on youtube or whatever and then when we're actually talking to them it's a really really trippy experience so yeah a lot of fun to do well even now um, it reminds me when we had a uh, Jacob, our listener Jacob, on yeah. as a co-host last week, and he was like, "I was just sitting there listening to you guys, forgetting that I'm actually part of this episode and I should be talking as well." <laughs> so now, like listening to Jenkins, yes. it's almost the same because I feel like I, that. Yeah, I listen to your show, so I'm like listening to your voice, and then go, "Oh, hang on, actually, I'm in this show." It's very, <laughs> it's very yeah, strange when you hear someone's voice in your earpiece that. Yeah. You, know, you are not used to hearing because you're not in a conversation <laughs> with them any other time. Well, usually I'm uh, usually I'm listening to Jenkins' voice in my car as I'm driving around. He's coming out my Bluetooth speakers in my car, but now it's my my earphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was great hearing you guys in that episode because you you could genuinely hear like how like how excited you guys were to be like talking to that guy. You know, it's like and I was like, oh man, these guys are super excited. I mean, because I think like because I don't think that I would ever do like interviews unless i mean of course if he was like yeah sure i'll do it i was like oh yeah sure i'll you know let's let's figure out some kind of way that we'd work it out but i don't really look towards the interviews as much as i would you know i think it'd be amazing and so it's kind of like it's so cool to hear you guys like light up when you were talking to him <laughs> and it's like i don't know it was it was it was such a cool listen thank you thank you all right i guess my last question um and i guess well eh, it's kind of a i guess what, what was your least favorite episode and why yeah, I guess it's not really an easy question to answer because oh. you don't want to be like, uh, this person. <laughs> I, I can answer that really easily. And sorry if okay. I offend you, Q. I, don't, <laughs> I really don't mean to. But um, the last episode 
and not because of the content. I thought the content was great. The sound. I left my air conditioner on in the background when we were recording. Oh, no. And it, it's got this like a hiss or like a all going pretty much halfway through the episode. So, yeah, that's the only reason for me why the last one was um, I really just was kicking myself after I realized I'd left it on. So, um, yeah. I, if I had to pick one, it might be the Tommy Organ episode because I wasn't in it. yeah that's how i felt when you did your special with um oh who was it lavelle lavelle yeah exactly lavelle oh no dude 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 the one where i was listening to the episode happening and i couldn't speak the brad sunderberg that no 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 that takes the cake that's the oh what happened Oh, it was a total meltdown. What happened was we'd organized for weeks and weeks prior to it um, recording. We were going to do a special episode with Brad Sunderberg. And um, we got him on the show and everything was great, except my internet connection wouldn't function. Like it was really super slow, my bandwidth. So I I could sit there and listen to everything that Q and Brad were saying, but I wasn't able to contribute because my... Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It was horrible. So I had so many questions I wanted to ask, but I couldn't get them out and I had to type and Q did a fantastic job like in the moment doing that whole show just by himself, (laughs) really. And um, yeah, that was very difficult. It turned out to be an incredible episode though. Yeah, that did turn out well. That was hard to have you like typing sort of messages at me, like asking about this and and, and you couldn't even just talk. (laughs) That was rough. That was rough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was fun. Those are all my questions. Yeah, thank you guys very much for answering them. Oh, thank you. That was was really funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know what I I was thinking the other day, uh, Jamin? You know, if you pronounce your name differently, it could be like, (laughs) it's going to sound ridiculous, like, like Jamona, like Shamona. <laughs> you know, like, like he's like Shamona. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, cool. Nobody never told you that. You know? No, I've often thought about that myself because you know, I'm a big MJ fan. I'm always like, oh yeah, I could say my name in that way. Like, hey, I'm Jamon Bull. What's I'm up? <laughs> he's got a cool name, like Bull as the last name. You're not gonna mess with him. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, Lavelle liked that for some reason, didn't he? Did. He? he was he was talking about that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Is that his real name? It's like, yep, that's his real name. <laughs> I got a I got an embarrassing confession to make if you guys want to hear it though about Always. my name. Okay, this this is pretty crazy, but my name, um, my parents, when they called me Jamin, I'm pretty sure they just mixed together two names. They just thought, all right, let's let's blend Jamie and Simon or whatever it was, and they thought, let's create this new name. They were really happy with it. They didn't realize that actually in Spanish that already is a word and it's pronounced jamon. And apparently it means ham. <laughs> so. Well, that just means you're delicious. Oh, thanks. thanks you're thanks. so scrumptious. I love me some glazed ham. <laughs> so, whenever I meet somebody Spanish, like, for example, I teach this student, this little kid, he's, he's from Colombia, and he speaks Spanish, and he's laughing at me all the time because he knows my name means, like, ham. That's awesome. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> so Jamie and Simon are your are your parents' names? No, 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 no. They are their oh. names are Stuart and Vivian. <laughs> but they oh, just so like where, the, where did Jamie and Simon come from? I don't know. I don't know if it was Jamie Jamie and Simon, but I just they told me that when they when they made my name they just got two names randomly and blended them together and created Jamie oh. and yeah, I just assumed that that was those two, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I dig it. So 
Should we get into the news? Yeah, let's do some let's news Let's get that stuff. out of the way because I want to get to the discussion today. <laughs> yeah, we've got a great discussion coming up. Well, we there's been a lot of news happen in the last uh, week, as we said before. And the first one, there's probably the, um, the most important one, is that Spike Lee's off-the-wall documentary is definitely coming. We were speculating a few weeks ago whether it was coming at all because he, he seemed to have filmed it earlier in the year and we didn't hear anything about it. There was no off-the-wall anniversary album announced. Uh, for 2015, like we thought there was going to be. But it turns out that at the Sundance Film Festival next month, Spike Lee is going to premiere his off-the-wall documentary. The film is titled Michael Jackson's Journey from Motown to Off the Wall. So it's a a bit of a mouthful, that one. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's too long. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. But what are are your thoughts, Jenkins? Are you looking forward to this, uh, this film? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like any, anything that, that has, I mean, I look forward to anything that has Michael Jackson in it. And uh, the, I actually really liked the Bad 25 documentary. Um, it wasn't great, but I, I mean, I, I watch it every, every uh, two times a year. I have, I have two days where I celebrate, I'm sure most people do, both Michael Jackson days, death and birth. And uh, I, watch him, I watch it that, both those days. So, yeah, I thought it was good. But yeah. Do you think they're gonna um, actually put it on like uh, network channel ABC again this time? Or I mean, here it was on ABC, but yeah, I think they will. And the last one as well, Bad Twenty Five, was actually released on Blu-ray. You could only buy it through the official website, um, mm-hmm. but it, it was released um, both as a television special and on Blu-ray. So hopefully, it does get a release like that. Um, I do think that it's like if I had to speculate, I I don't really think they're going to reissue off the wall i just don't think there's no special anniversary year that they could do it in i think if i had to guess i think it was planned that this year would be the off the wall year and they decided to shelve that project at the last minute but they still filmed the documentary which will come out that that would be my take on what's going to happen um but i did read online some speculation actually that there would be a trilogy that that um spike lee is planning a trilogy of films so he's doing uh, he did he did bad to coincide with bad 25 he's doing off the wall now and that maybe the next one he films will be thriller that would be epic that would be so cool yeah and from memory i was talking to damien shields our friend of the show uh last night i think it was on the phone and he was saying that uh it was it's very possible that it was actually joe vogel the author who gave the idea of um doing an off the wall documentary to the estate when he was talking to them and i don't i don't know how true that is but but joe's advice to the estate was a lot of the people that worked on these really earlier albums on off the wall and thriller you know they're they're aging now like quincy jones is getting on a little bit so it's probably pretty important that we get their stories documented uh in a documentary uh, format, you know, before it's too late. So I don't know how true that is, but that seems to be their game plan. That would be cool. I hope like Brank is not wiping tears from his eyes again in the new doco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or any Justin Bieber talking heads. No, thanks. Well, yeah, there was a lot of people that they put on the, on the bad 25. Like I am actually, I'm a big Kanye West fan. I understand yeah. a lot of people don't like him, but I like Kanye West, but he didn't need to be on bad 25 and neither did Chris Brown. It's like, they really kind of picked the, the wrong. I mean, cause Michael Jackson, of course he has a certain reputation, um, that, uh, with some people that don't really like him so much. And so it kind of negates it to put Chris Brown and Kanye West on the same Thing, saying, oh, let's talk about how great Michael Jackson is. It's like, get some people that are actually respected, not like Kanye West and Chris Brown, which a lot of people kind of be like, you know, they have bad reputations behind them as well. So mm, hopefully mm. they get other artists that, you know, people actually like 
<laughs> yeah. Just relevance. Like, have people speak with relevance to the exactly. actual album and to the history of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, the film synopsis on the uh, on the website, I think it's on the uh, Sundance Film Festival web- website, actually reads that... I'll just read a bit of it out for you guys. It says, Catapulted by the success of his first major solo project, Off the Wall, Michael Jackson went from child star to king of pop. The film explores the seminal album with rare archival footage and interviews from those who were there and those whose lives its success and legacy impacted. So that last little bit, it makes me think that there will be contemporary artists talking about Michael, even though they may have not have been, you know, um, contextually involved in the album well give but, us beyonce then yeah exactly or, or like exactly. alicia keys it's like alicia keys oh, is a very yes. respected person and like and she would have oh, a, yeah. a valid opinion about michael jackson totally yeah. that's great mm-hmm. yeah alicia and, keys I mean, would be awesome i mean how many times have you heard somebody say you know what i don't like that alicia keys she's uh too raunchy you know is that- <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah and but she- like um, I guess, like, no, no, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement. Like, even if you listen to the sound of Alicia Keys and people like that, that, that neo soul sort of kind of influence sound, that, that really stems from some of the, the, the work that comes out of the, the late '70s and what Michael and Quincy were doing with the off the wall sound. So it would only make sense. Yeah. Um, well, let's fingers crossed it works out well. Like, you know, I, I do trust Spike Lee; he's an incredible filmmaker. Yeah. If anyone is to do this. I'm so thankful that it's him. So, yeah, hopefully it's it's going to be an improvement even. Like, you know, Bad 25 was good. So let's hope this is better. Even, even better, yeah. 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 I want to see lots of footage from the time period, like uh, not just interview footage with, even with Michael. I want to see like behind-the-scenes footage of Michael filming. Imagine if there's behind-the-scenes footage of Michael shooting Don't Stop Till You Get Enough in front of a green screen or, like... Oh, my God. That would be fantastic. That that If they can just collect any sort of footage that was captured from that period, Michael in the studio, Michael filming Rock With You, Michael on the Triumph Tour with his brothers, get yeah. all of that stuff together and, and create, you know, a great story piece i think yeah because you really never see too much like footage from off the wall it's like i mean to me off the wall is like the 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 secret album people forget about sometimes you Mm -hmm. know it's weird and so hopefully they they do have a lot more of the footage because oh my god it'd be so great to see afro michael that'd be great yeah Yeah. really would i think the big surprise with this is that it's not just going to be about off the wall everybody thought it was going to be just off the wall but the film's titled journey from motown to off the wall so I think we're going to hear a lot of those early stories too from the Jackson 5 days and the Jackson's days and hopefully yeah. this time interviews with family. That would be really interesting because I love that era. Like, you mm. know, the Jackson 5 era is an incredible era. So Motown and that sort of discipline and, and art that they learned there. But then I love the whole between that, between the J5 and, you know, Michael's grown-up solo album off the wall era the jackson's era is yes. such an incredible era with some incredible music and tours and you know t- so hopefully they yeah do touch on that a bit as well well it was definitely the bu- the busiest period for michael jackson's creative life like he was concurrently working on his solo career and the jacksons you have destiny triumph victory all come out at the same time as off the wall and thriller and you've got tours attached to all of those albums as well and so many so many songs being written with his brothers even songs that you hear on way later albums like little susie on desk on history that was written way back in the late 70s so really yeah during this period 
I think I knew that. I think I, <laughs> I think I actually did a podcast. Yeah, I think I learned that. that from you. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, I actually knew that, dude. <laughs> Some of these things I forget. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> so it's like it's crazy that this period there's so much um, artistic creativity, and I hope they capture that in the film as well. So I hope this documentary is like six hours long. <laughs> I would watch the entire thing multiple times. So. <laughs> After um, I'll admit something. After Michael passed, I could the only album I could listen to for at least twelve to eighteen months was Off the Wall. It's the only album mm. I could listen to. I could not listen to any other music of his except for Off the Wall. For, mm. Yeah, probably twelve to was eighteen months after he passed. Was it because the other ones just have like sad songs on them, or? Uh, no, well, Off the Wall has like you know some deep stuff as well, but it was just in general, Off the Wall was such a happy and light album. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe it was like the amount of emotion in other songs, but yeah, for this album, it was just so light and disco that it just lifted me enough that I could listen to it. Yeah, because for sure, if I if I if I'm sad and I put on in, like anything on the on the second half of Dangerous, it's it, it's I'm I'm, I'm balling all over the place. <laughs> yeah, because it's there's so many like just great like just sad songs on that on the second part of Dangerous that you can't really listen to it if you're upset. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So yeah, let's fingers crossed that this works out well for the uh, new Spike Lee joint off the wall documentary. So like you were mentioning before, like the show notes sort of expanded a little bit before we started recording today in the last like 24 hours or whatever, a bajillion things have leaked out. So many things that we haven't watched probably even combined, probably anywhere near all of them. Um, Mm. I watched one of them over dinner last night. So, and I think when the husband goes to work today, I'll be probably sitting in front of the TV watching the rest of these leaks if I can. So where do we start? Jamin, where do we begin with these leaks? Where have they come from? It's been hard researching where they all come from, but I did a bit of uh, digging around on the Michael Jackson archives on Facebook. It's a great group that um, Chris Cadman set up. And there's some people on there that have said things like, um, there's a guy on there called Muhammad Al-Shafari who said that uh, lots of stuff behind the scenes of the traders which uh, caused all of these to come out scammers and sellers got exposed and then somebody else replied Manu Imendez I think their name is and they said that they suspect somebody finally decided to leak the boatload of VHS videotapes that Joe Wilcotts left after his death from what I understood he had a great many tapes left in storage so I'd say taking into account that information I think yeah, a lot of VHS tapes that were owned by this this person that was close to Michael may have been picked up by uh, all this these underground sort of Michael Jackson groups that trade really rare things um, amongst themselves. And I think some people have annoyed some other people in those groups and then someone's got hurt and all this material's just been suddenly leaked maybe despite somebody else, maybe a deal's gone bad, who knows. But there have been at least 10 things that have come out in the last 48 hours. And not just little things either, like entire concert tours that no one's ever seen before. Songs, you know, like acapellas. It's crazy. Like usually we would devote probably the main portion of one of our whole episodes to even just one of these things. But it's it's not possible to cover them all in the depth that we would usually do. So 
Merry Christmas, yeah. y'all. Here's a whole bunch of Michael Jackson leaks. <laughs> it's it's out of control. Like, do you Q? Do you want to list a few of them off or? Oh my god! Uh, dangerous performance rehearsal. We saw a snippet of that with um, Lavelle on his Instagram recently, but now like there's this rehearsal of that plus the way you make me feel for the Dangerous World tour. I watched last night the behind the scenes of the Oprah Winfrey interview, which okay, was I had a interesting. About that one. Yeah. Have any of you guys looked at that one yet? Yeah, I watched that. I've watched the night. Oprah one. Yeah. Okay. Well, it- is that the one where he was, where they were watching the interview no, together? No, this is different. This is really wide okay. angle, sort of zoomed out shots of um, Michael and Oprah. Terrible yeah. shots on like some handy cam that someone's swinging around as if it's on a rope. It's, it's interesting nonetheless, though, because it's <laughs> they're, they're, it's not actually on the day of the interview. I think it might be the day before or something of the interview where they're doing a dry run of everything they're going to do during the Oprah interview. And so they're staging it and sitting in certain places and adjusting camera angles and talking about what they want to do. So it's a great behind the scenes look at how Oprah and Michael work to get that interview together. Okay. Yeah. um, It's interesting. Like you can't really hear a lot of what Michael is saying. You hear a lot of sort of Oprah doing direction or getting directed to do stuff. Like it's the scene where they're in the theater going to show the giving to me film you know you see the staging of that and then they're going to walk out out the theater and into the amusement park and it's interesting like oprah was saying things like we want a song to be playing as we're walking out so we can walk to the beat of the song we want this you know it's really fine tuning huh. everything it's really really fascinating the amount of like because when you watch that oprah interview which i think is probably one of the best sort of specials that michael did and a, a good interview really it sort of seemed to flow quite naturally but then you see this behind the scenes and it's a mess like there is people everywhere there's a guy going there's too many people here we don't need this many people it's so hard to get through you know that corridor because <laughs> of all the people and there's the ginormous cameras like back in the day when cameras were like you know the size of a motorbike really and there's cables everywhere and there's things on the ground that they can walk over to see see this chaos behind the scenes was really interesting and also i loved what michael was wearing i actually prefer the outfit michael was wearing in this sort of dry run the to what the red shirt he wore in the actual interview he's just all dressed in Mm. black black with black boots and a nice little emblem on his belt. It's just really simple and classy and cool. His hair is exactly the same, but yeah, his, um, his outfit is completely different, which is a really nice, classy outfit. Yeah. And there's a lot that they did in this dry run that wasn't included in the final telecast. So for example, there's scenes during the day where Oprah's out with Michael's animals, like that, yeah. that were never included, but yeah, interesting nonetheless. Um, well, speaking was... about like all the people that were in the that were there, were there were too many people. Think about if you were you work for the Oprah show or something, and then they were like, "Hey, you know what? I think we're gonna go hang out with Michael Jackson." <laughs> you are for sure showing up <laughs> yeah, to work yeah. that day. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. so true. So everybody that wasn't even supposed to be there showed up to work. They're like, "Hey, uh, I work today, right? Michael Jackson day? Yep, I'm working today." So everybody, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm here to sharpen the pencils. I'm the station. No guy. sick days on that I'm day. Here. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, we're going to like, Neverland. Oh yeah, I'm going to Neverland. Like I thought you were sick, man. It's like, nah, man. Uh, I, I, I had the flu, but it's gone now. 
Uh, <laughs> he's he's got hospital beds in the theater. It's okay if I'm yeah. Sick. <laughs> I, I can watch that. Uh, who is it? Video or whatever. <laughs> oh god. There's uh, also been a bunch of other leaks as well. We've got the uh, "You Are Not Alone" multi-track uh, acapella has actually leaked. Uh, History World Tour live in Kuala Lumpur has come out in full. History World Tour in Auckland, New Zealand, the second night is out in full. 1988 Bad Tour in Tokyo and in Rome, both have leaked in full. 23 minutes of Ghosts outtakes came out of nowhere. Uh, Oh, my God. uh, This is a really exciting one. Not many people know this, but in 1993, Michael Jackson actually shot the Ghosts film a shorter version of it, and it was never released. And 23 minutes of footage from that original Is It Scary uh, video shoot from 1993 has now come out. Yeah, that's that's right. Whoa. See you guys. I'm going to go watch that right now. So have yeah, fun. Yeah, like, okay, and podcast over. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Dude, I love Is It Scary. Oh, my God, that's amazing. That is the thing I'm most excited to watch after this, actually, uh, is that 23 minutes of ghost outtakes and the Is It, the, is it Scary 1993 show. Uh, give In To Me, an alternate version of the video for Give In To Me is now out, an extended cut of a previously unseen version of the Who Is It Dangerous ad is out, and the acapella track for the 2010 song Best of Joy has now come out as well. Damn. So that's our Christmas uh, <laughs> loot crate for... <laughs> well, pretty well, much. well, well, We were good this year. Thanks yeah, stockings are full. <laughs> they're, like two, they're like two MJ podcasts? Give them all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh it's just wild and some guy on twitter this morning who was it john mulholland tweeted us this morning yeah and what did he say he was like hey, hey with all these leaks happening are you guys going to do a five-hour show <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> oh, oh. if we didn't have the schedule already lined up for this episode and the next episode and then we're going on like a break until season two. Sorry to break it to you guys. Then yeah, we would we would really do a whole episode just on these leaks. But so but head to the site. So we're going to put links to what we can in um, our show notes, which you can find at themjcast.com. So everything that we've just spoken about, go to themjcast.com. The link is there. While you're there, subscribe to the show. But yeah, links will be there for all of this stuff. Uh, did you guys end up watching the Way You Make Me Feel rehearsal for the second leg of Dangerous Tour? Did you see that? Yes. Um, I I haven't I haven't watched that one, but I've seen the Way You Make Me Feel before. They it, they're, they're, they have a they have a whole I don't remember where where I saw, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But they have a whole Dangerous rehearsal that's out already, and he does the Way You Make Me Feel on it. And so I've seen him rehearse it, which I always thought it was weird that he, I didn't ever see it perform it live. Yeah, so, this one is a little bit different because it's um I don't know, for those of you who've seen it will know what I'm talking about, but he doesn't actually he's only on film for a very small part of it. He he kind of gets up on stage, gives a bit of direction to the dancers, tells them to perform the whole song, and then sits down on the side of the stage and delivers the vocal of the song but without any melody. He just does it like a spoken word track. So Yeah, it's like huh. he, it's like MJ at a poetry yeah. jam. It's, he's delivering all the lyrics, but he's speaking them in a spoken word style over the music. It's fascinating. You know, I bet he's he's probably doing it like a, like dancers do, like the way you make me feel. Two, three, yeah. four, you really turn. It's like, and that's kind of like when you when you're when you're um, 
when you're trying to what's the word for it? Um, I can't think of the word. When you're trying to tell dancers what to do, normally you have that kind of direction to where you kind of you know they kind of you don't have to sing it. You can just kind of say it and then give them the ones and the twos. So when you're kind of coaching, yeah, them, that's, exa- the word. that's yeah. exactly what he's doing. It's all about timing and not melody. Like all the timing is spot yeah. on. It's it's <laughs> fascinating to watch. It sounds really cool, but I don't think he was mm. well at the time. We were trying to sort of discover more about the time of when this was because I know the video you're talking about, Jenkins. I think that rehearsal uh, was that filmed at it Neverland, was. the green shirt one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's got this like fluoro color shirt on, doesn't he? Um, I can't remember. Like, I, I, if you guys, if you guys listen to my podcast, you know I say I drink a lot, and then I, <laughs> and then I, and then I end up watching a whole bunch of Michael Jackson videos. It's like so most of the stuff that I see. That's why I don't remember most of it because like I'll get real drunk and then I'll just sit there and watch Michael Jackson videos all night. And then <laughs> wakes up and goes, "Did I just have a crazy Michael Jackson fever dream?" Yeah, so, Did I? Like, I'm pretty sure I saw that. It's like I, I end up getting gotten a fight with some somebody that was listening to my podcast because they said I'd never heard a certain version of a song before, and I'm like, I. I swear to you, I've heard the original version of this song. I just can't find it because I go into this portal of drunk Michael Jackson watching all night. And so Friday <laughs> night with Jenkins. So this, yeah, so this guy wanted to argue with me all day, and I'm like, dude, it's like I swear to God, it's a real thing. I eventually found it and sent it to him, but yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I've never been drunk, really, ever, ever. Yeah, I've never been drunk, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. I'm an idiot anyway. So, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'll, I'll get up and do stupid stuff, but I like, it's not that I don't drink. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't like beer all tastes the same to me and is gross, but I like cider <laughs> and spirits and wine. Oh, I think you don't call them spirits over there. Do you liquor. call them like, what do you, you call it? Liquor, hard liquor. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Well, most of the, most of the liquor stores are, it's called wine and spirits, but we still call it liquor, liquor stores, you know? So, okay. So yeah, I like all of those things, but, and we've got like a whole bunch in our cupboard in the kitchen down the bottom they're probably all out of date because we hardly ever touch it but yeah i've never been drunk <laughs> hey well, don't, trust me you're not missing anything you spend too much money and you forget shit so uh <laughs> i'll let don't you take care it. of that for me then yeah i'll i'll drink i'll drink all the drinks that you don't so cool cool thanks man but um back to that day that the way you make me feel stuff like q we were we were speculating before the show weren't we about the health stuff and there's what like I will admit I have not seen the last five seconds of that video where apparently it happens, but something happens where he sits down on the side of the stage or cries or something. Or Charles was telling us. Yeah, I've seen a few people talk about it, um, and and wonderful Karen Faye was also because I was like, oh, is that you, Karen, in the video? And she's like, no, that's not not that I can see that it's me. And just through speculation, I picked up that it could have been Debbie mm. Rowe, and he was at that time. Um, quite possibly recovering from recent maybe surgery um, on his scalp where, of course, in uh, the 80s he was horrendously burned, like third-degree burns, on the top of his head in the Pepsi ad commercial yeah, fire. Yeah. So, and, and for that caused many, many problems for many, many years. And we're not going to get into his health issues, um, but, but – uh, surgery, when things like that happen, they would have to try and um, maybe stretch the skin or do surgery to do something with the skin over the burn site. And and you can imagine the pain of that would be horrendous. So some of the speculation was that during the filming of this, he was um, sort of still recovering from that and in pain. And I haven't seen the, the portion of the video where he says, oh, I'm in pain, Debbie, but that would sort of um, – 
sort of explain maybe that was Debbie yeah. Rowe and and being a nurse, you know, she was there for um, looking after his health in that regard, perhaps. Like after well, surgery care. I'm not watching the video now. I'm just not going to watch the video. I, I, <laughs> no, you, I don't want to see Michael Jackson. Just crying. watch the first no, three well, quarters of it. it. Just don't watch the last bit. Yeah, but, you, don't, you don't really yeah. see that because he's just like this little figure on the front of the stage. It's like all shadows and stuff. So you don't even see him close up at all or anything. So you don't see sort of any of that stuff. And, and you've got to watch it just to hear him speak the words of the way you yeah. make you feel because it's really, it really cool. cool. I also saw speculation online. I don't know if this is true at all, but apparently this this uh, rehearsal was taking place in the middle of the Dangerous World Tour. So it was just before the second leg where some adjustment adjustments were made to costuming and set lists and stuff like that. And apparently that was during the same period of time that the um, horrible false child molestation allegations broke out. Wait, what from happened? From I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. In case you didn't know, there's this guy called Jordan Chandler. Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You're saying that somebody accused Michael Jackson of child molestation? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so apparently that happened around this time, and that that's maybe why he's not in the best spirits as well. But again, speculation. No idea what's what's actually true there. But I say I thought that happened at the beginning of the Dangerous tour. I remember um, in what's his name's book, uh, the Casio Kid. He was saying that it was right before he went on tour and or something like that. And so but he had to No, it was in the middle of his tour. It was in yeah. Yeah, back around Bangkok, I think. Yeah. During the Asian yeah, like Yeah, it was, I think it was Yeah, I don't know if it was on I'm pretty sure it was like he had already went on tour. He had done a couple of dates, but he had to continue the tour after knowing this was happening. Yeah. Uh, even yep. though he, I don't think, he, yeah, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was at the sec, uh, before the second leg, but I know it's like in the, it wasn't at the very beginning but though. Doesn't yeah. that no? Because Australia was part of the yeah. dangerous tour. Tickets had been, I believe, tickets had been sold. Stadiums were booked and ready to go, and there were specials like happening on TV. I've got, uh, I think it's Smash Hits magazine, Michael Jackson in Australia, little fold out magazine thing about dangerous tour in australia but australia got cancelled because of you know his yeah because of his um health at the time he had to go into rehab thank god and and because of the other drama as well so australia was cancelled so he was in asia i'm not sure if singapore was his last stop here um and some shows may have been cancelled in singapore but then yeah australia sorry and then it was south america after that wasn't it that there was some South America shows um, or was that? Yeah, I think but so. Doesn't that just speak remember. to the fortitude, like the mental fortitude of Michael Jackson that like his whole world, imagine if somebody accused you of something like that, which was totally false, totally damaging to your character. And you still were going to get up on stage in front of a hundred thousand people that had bought tickets to see you, even though that was all in the news everywhere. And you're still going to get up and put on a great show. Like that yeah. is just an amazing person to be able to do that and and the thing of like people like the people that don't believe that he's innocent or whatever for him to have these issues is like this isn't something that he uh you know like he went out in public and was like oh but i feel so sick and i can't continue no he did this to himself it was other people that were saying michael jackson was having a hard time performing michael jackson was feeling sick during this whole time it was never him that said oh oh i got accused and i'm feeling so sick it's like that's because he was actually sick of what of 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 of, of, of being accused is like it hurt him that bad that he physically got mm-hmm. ill, you know? Yeah. 
It's just, yep. it's crazy. And, and people don't see it that's that right. way. But that's probably all that Motown, all that, you know, Joseph Jackson training, you know, coming out. It's like the show is going to go on. You're still going to do that great show no yep. matter what's happening around you. Ah, oh, crazy, craziness, but amazing to think about and talk about. So some big developments in the Vera Sarova versus Casio uh, estate and Sony Music court case recently. Uh, Jenkins, we know that on uh, Moonwalk Talks, you've got a great episode all about uh, the Casio tracks. Uh, just tell us tell us your thoughts again about those before we get into the news with Charles. Uh, well, I mean, it makes me extremely angry, and it should make a lot of people angry because, I mean, we paid for an album. It's like, I don't know, it's like we paid, we paid, we put a lot of money into, well, I mean, not, not a lot of money, 12 bucks, but still, you paid for something, and I seriously was like backing that whole album from the get-go. I, I was kind of the dumb one at that point, and I was like, oh, no, this has to be Michael Jackson. What are you guys talking about? You guys are crazy. It has to be Michael Jackson. And then I felt real dumb afterwards, and so I don't know. I got real angry about it. Yeah, I, I totally feel exactly the same way, Jenkins. I've, I've always felt that way, and it's something that, you know, I can't wait for it to be resolved, hopefully, in a court of law. And we're going to cross over now to Charles Thompson, the MJ Cast legal correspondent. We've got Charles on the line who's going to break down some new developments and court documents for us in the Casio case. Charles, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Great, thanks. So, Charles, you've you've read some of these latest court documents that have come out um, from Vera Sarova. What what can you tell tell us about them? Okay, so just to recap, last time I was on the show, we were talking about the slap proposal, which had been mooted in some previous court documents. Uh, so basically, slap S L A P P stands for strategic lawsuit against public participation. And that is when somebody files a lawsuit against somebody to try to censor them by claiming that they are being injured by that person's statements, even though their statements are protected under the First Amendment in American law. So what has happened so far is the Michael Jackson estate and Sony and the various other co-defendants in this lawsuit have said that uh, they've basically accused uh, Vera Sarova of filing a slap lawsuit. So they're saying that her lawsuit is frivolous and is jeopardizing their First Amendment right to say that the tracks have been recorded by Michael Jackson. Uh, and thus they are filing an anti-slap lawsuit in which they are seeking to prevent her from continuing to say that the tracks are not Michael Jackson, which is uh, extremely convoluted and basically the intention, allegedly, according to various groups that I discussed uh, on the last episode, is to tie her up in litigation, which will prevent her actual lawsuit about the uh, legitimacy of these songs from going forward. So what's happened now is that some documents which were filed with the court on the 2nd of December have laid out a timeline uh, so the timeline is that the defendants must, uh, and the defendants in this case are Sony, The Estate, Eddie Casio, James Port, MJJ Productions, Angelixon Productions, and between 1 and 50 unnamed people. They must file their claim under anti-slap legislation by January 20th, 2016. Then by the 1st of February, both parties must file a joint statement 
on what discovery will be needed. So what has happened is the uh, the estate and co have said we're filing an anti-slap lawsuit. Mr. Rover, in response, has said, well, if you're claiming that my claim that the songs are fake is frivolous, then I can't disprove that while you're refusing to release any of the evidence either way. So she's saying, in order for me to defend myself against this lawsuit that you're bringing against me, I need you to release your evidence, and I also need to be able to depose you under oath. So on the 1st of February, or by the 1st of February, both parties must file a joint document uh, giving their positions on discovery, which is predicted to be that Ms. Sarova will continue to say that she needs these depositions and documents, and the uh, defendants in her lawsuit will continue to say that they're not handing over the documents and they don't wish to be deposed. And then on the 3rd of February... Uh, a telephone hearing will be held in which the judge will listen to legal arguments for and against the discovery that Mr. Rover is requesting and then will make a judgment on whether that discovery uh, must be turned over. Mr. Rover says that in most cases the judge rules no, that the discovery does not have to be turned over in a slap case so we will have to wait and see if the judge in fact does grant mr over the um discovery that she's asking for then she will be able to question all of the defendants under oath that's representatives of sony uh, john branker on behalf of the estate eddie cassio james port representatives of mjj productions uh, she will be able to question all of those people under oath about a number of issues, including their knowledge of who recorded the lead vocals on the Casio tracks and their knowledge of any investigations into who recorded the lead vocals on the Casio tracks. However, it's true to say at the moment that Mr. Rover is not expecting the judge to rule in her favour. And, mm. and I have a question. After they get done like with all the litigation... Who? When do they uh, assign the hanging? <laughs> I mean, somebody needs to be the, to to pay for what's happened. Absolutely, I agree. We get to like like put them all against the wall and shoot. Is that what we get? Well, I think what will happen is even if she wins, what I would expect to happen is that the defendants would file an immediate appeal, and it would just go on and on, um, to prevent any further action. Because presumably, if a court rules that those tracks are fake, then you would you would think that anybody who purchased that album would then be the victim of a fraud, and at the very least should be entitled to a refund, you would think. Which is obviously going to be an absolute catastrophe for the defendants, in addition to having to pay for all the costs of the lawsuit and suffering damage to their reputations. So what I would expect, even if she wins, is an immediate appeal. And then if they lose that, then another appeal. And uh, probably they would keep appealing until such time that Mr. Rover was no longer able to fund uh, a rebuttal, at which time they would probably win by default and we'd be back at the beginning again. So I've got a question for you, Charles, about all of these unnamed uh, defendants. There's obviously a lot of them. I think it's a, it mentions that there's 50. Now, I would imagine that one of those people, if if not being one of the named defendants, would be uh, Jason Capetta. 
aka Jason Malachi, and who who allegedly is the person that's singing the lead vocals on these songs. Mm-hmm. Now, Jason Capetta is actually a, I believe, a police officer uh, from the United States. That's his day job. In addition to being a Michael Jackson vocal impersonator, is actually <laughs> a a sheriff or works for the sheriff's department. Yeah. So, like, if he is brought to if he is deposed, if he has to sit for a deposition, you would assume that being, you know, a police officer, that he would be, you know, likely to to tell the truth in that situation. Do you think Jason will be one of those people that would be asked to be deposed during a possible discovery? I'm not necessarily with you on your assumption that a police officer would tell the truth in a deposition. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> the, the last. From the US. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the last round of um, court documents, which we discussed on the last show, did list Jason Malachi as somebody that Mr. Rover would wish to depose. Although he is not listed on the document uh, on the on the court case as a defendant, so he he is not unless he is one of the unnamed ones of fifty people, uh, which I don't know either way. He would not suffer any loss as a result of her winning this lawsuit but nonetheless she did include him on her list of people that she wishes to depose um right. in order to defend against the slap or the anti-slap lawsuit i mean it's entirely possible as well that he's actually innocent in this scenario like it, it's it's possible that that um he was approached by the angelics and production team and they may have asked him look um jason we would like your vocals for maybe a tribute album for Michael Jackson and we're going to get you to sign a non-disclosure saying you're not able to talk about it after we uh, record your vocals. It's possible that he was, he was contracted to do these vocals for what could have been a legal release. Yeah. Or let's say this as a hypothesis. Um, And of course I'm not asserting this as fact, but let's say he may have been, for instance, uh, hired to record impersonation vocals on demo tracks, which were then going to be presented to Michael Jackson. That's what um, I was thought. Yeah, for consideration. Because that's something that's done routinely. A few years ago, I published an article about James Brown, and I interviewed a songwriter called Gabe Lopez, and, um, and he had written some songs for consideration for a new James Brown album, and he was told... Yeah, when you uh, when you record it, you have to you have to record the demo as if you're James Brown because that's the only way he's going to get an idea of whether what it can sound like. Yeah, exactly. So that would be entirely plausible, given that the songs appear to have been recorded before Michael died, not necessarily a tribute, because I think these songs were registered with the copyright office within two days of Michael's death, which is a very peculiar thought process when your friend has just died oh we better get down the copyright office but it would appear therefore that they had already been recorded before he died um going with going with that hypothesis as well hypothetically if they were uh demo vocals to be presented to michael and then they were presented to sony as legitimate tracks they sony um and the estate could have also been played well, they could have been played and been none the wiser 
and then they got themselves in too deep, paid for them and everything too far that they could then admit, oh, we fucked up. Well, yes, that's entirely plausible. And in fact, I believe it was reported at the time that John McClane, i.e. 50% of the uh, Michael Jackson estate, John Branco and John McClane, supposedly John McClane was of the opinion that these tracks were not legitimate. That was what was reported at the time, I believe, by Roger Friedman and others. So it would appear that there were concerns within the estate after the tracks had been bought that they were that they were not legit. My understanding, uh, without going into too much detail, is that problems were first spotted during the compilation of the album by some people who were very familiar with Michael's voice. Which and McLean was, they... because he had worked with Michael vocally as a producer before. So he, he himself had been very familiar with Michael's voice. Yeah. And even like I Teddy mean, Riley. The... Teddy Riley was there for the entire Dangerous album. I mean, he even said that he that he heard the differences. He just didn't speak up or either or he either he was paid too well. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. He was he was um he worked I believe he worked on Breaking News first, and then by the time that he got to work on um keep i think it would not it wasn't keep your head up i think it was um monster they i think they played him keep your head up and he was like no i can't i can't touch that that's definitely not michael jackson he did breaking news in monster heard keep your head up rejected that song and that's why um tricky stewart ended up doing it but the way that sony was treating him is that they were making teddy riley do all these fake songs and stringing them along before they gave him hollywood tonight to produce so he was really being played just as much as anybody else. And I guess he chose the money over the truth, really. Yeah, well, the other thing, the, the other thing which is um, interesting, which Jenkins mentioned a minute ago, is that, you know, when this, when this whole thing first happened, even when I heard breaking news and I thought, hmm, this sounds very peculiar, uh, the idea that something like that could happen, the idea that... A, you know, given the size of Michael's vault, supposedly that he records 50 songs for every album, blah blah the idea that there would A, be a need, or B, be a will to release fake songs, or even that such a thing could happen, you know, with all the checks and balances that you would imagine must happen uh, with a, a release as major as that, it just seemed inconceivable that something like that could happen and so i i as i as well in the beginning was saying well it has to be him it can't not be him because that would be completely crazy uh, <laughs> and and it actually was a game with me it was not until i heard keep your head up that i thought mm, i really am struggling now to uh to defend the vocals on these songs so it's possible even that teddy riley was thinking to himself, well, you know, it can't not be him because that would be crazy. So, you know, one thing when, when I was listening to it, the one that the thing that got me on those tracks was when he started saying Michael Jackson, when he started saying his own name, I was like, I don't really remember him saying his own name in such a braggadocious way. And I mean, that's something uh -huh. like rappers would do. It's not really something that Michael Jackson would do in those songs. So when he's saying, cause I'm Michael Jackson. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. I mean, can you name any other song he's ever said his name like that, you know? 
And I was like, so it seems like to me that they are really trying to push this forward. Like, look, look. Oh, no, it really is Michael Jackson. He's saying his own name, you know? Totally. Um, totally, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's, uh, what, what confuses me is why the estate of Michael Jackson or the executors in particular, 50% of which John McClain, we know John McClain didn't want the songs on the album. We know that John Branker has since come out after 2010 and promised fans that there would be no more Casio songs on any projects in the future. So we can assume that both parties in the estate now would agree that those songs are probably not Michael Jackson, if not that they know that they're not him. Why, why isn't Sony Music and the estate of Michael Jackson joining with Miss Sarova to sue Angelicson. Like, I don't understand why they themselves are. It's too much money. Still trying to protect this guy. Like, it's too much money. They they made they, they probably made too much money on that album, and if they if they'll have to give it back if if if, if they uh if they if they join if, if everything goes goes smooth and everybody gets their refund for you know paying for false tracks, then they don't make money. And I think that's kind of what it all boils down to, in my opinion. Thank you very much again, Charles. Yeah, interesting development and. Yeah, it's so complicated. We're so grateful for you that you can explain it to us and um, share that. Um, just a quick reminder, if I can, in the wrap-up, can you remind people about some of the legal things that you actually report on? You're not just some random dude off the street that we have <laughs> calling in. Can you just re- – because I've had <laughs> seen a few things on social media like, oh, who is this guy there, you know, getting him to talk about legal stuff now, what the hell – so can you, in your can, in our lead out, can you just give a quick, in a nutshell, sort of why we're speaking to you about this? Um, I would guess it's because I am um, a professional journalist in England with a full-time job at one of the biggest regional newspapers in the United Kingdom. And a large part of my job is court reporting. Um, I've reported on many... Uh, important cases in the UK, including child abuse cases, uh, murder trials, and various other legal situations. Uh, the MPs' expenses trial uh, of Lord Hanningfield. So I do have a, a fairly well-established background in court reporting and legal reporting. There we go, people. So step off. If you're trying to, if you're trying to, if you're trying actually, to diminish uh, Charles, step off. I, I was not aware actually that people were were saying that. But all they need to do is go to my website, and uh, there's actually a whole section in my portfolio of trials that I've reported on, albeit that it's not been updated for about a year and a half. Um, and what is your website as well? It's charles-thompson.net, and that's Thompson with no P. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you so much again. No problem. No, it's a pleasure and uh, thank you for having me. Always. Thanks, Charles. Cheers. You can also find out the very latest uh, court documents on the Casio case by going to the mjcast.com forward slash Casio case. So make sure you visit there and you'll find all the latest court documents uh, for that particular case. Just 
ライトスクーター鈴木ラブ新発売 So, on to some more positive things, I guess.、Uh, another news item Chris Cadman, great author in the Michael Jackson fan community, has put out a new website.、Uh, it's called Michael Jackson Masterworks. Now, if you know Chris Cadman, you'll also know that he's、uh, the author of a few really amazing Michael Jackson books. One of them's called For the Record, which is actually the first Michael Jackson book that I can think of that, that was solely focused on his artistry.、Uh, and then, of course, he's done those two. For the Record, which is actually the first Michael Jackson book that I can think of that was solely focused on his artistry.、Uh, and then, of course, he's done those two Maestro books that came out after that, which delve a little bit deeper into, into Michael's recording processes. And he's put out a new website called Michael Jackson Masterworks, and it is amazing. I have explored it extensively over the past couple of days. It's the only website I've ever seen of its kind, which is simply just focused on. Sources of information from different time periods in Michael Jackson history. I've had so much fun exploring it. The way it actually works, I'm going to load it up on the screen now while I'm talking about it so I get, get everything right that I'm saying. But basically, it loads up onto a screen and there's a beautiful high resolution pictures on every page you go to. And on the top half of the screen, it's got like expandable links and it's all divided into eras. So, off the wall, thriller, bad. Onwards and onwards, all the way through to Invincible, This Is It, and beyond.、Uh, and if you click on those links and you expand them outwards, it comes up with、uh, places you can go on the website. So, for example, if I open up, say, Bad,、uh, it then shows me things like Bad Era News, Bad Album and Single Reviews, The Bad Tour. And if I follow those links, that's when the magic happens. All of these original photographs and newspaper clippings from the time period show up on your screen. So, if you're somebody who wants to research Michael Jackson、uh, with information from the time period, scanned copies of photographs and magazines,、uh, this is the place that you need to go. It's such a complex and detailed website, and Chris has done an amazing job putting it together.、Uh, Q, have you had a chance to look at the site too? No, so sadly, I haven't. I've been absolutely hammered at work this week. I did、um, just on Thursday and Friday alone. I've been back from Perth to Melbourne to Perth to Melbourne to Perth. So that's huge flying days.、Um, so I've been absolutely shattered when I got home. So I know I'm excited.、Uh, Chris, of course, wrote some incredible books,、um, which we will, like,、uh, yeah,、uh, The Maestro and for the record, he was probably one of the first really to start putting books out. On Michael's art and you know, compiling history of stuff as like reference guides.、Mm-hmm. So, shout out to Chris for that. So, I know the quality of that stuff is going to be、um, an indication of the quality of this website. So, how amazing that、um, this is now online for everyone. Yeah, it's really exciting. Jenkins, did you, did you check this one out? Or? I did. I, I, I went and looked at it, and man, it looks beautiful. It is a beautiful website, and、uh, the content that is in it, oh man,、uh, it, it, you, could spend, you could spend days、uh, just looking at it. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, great job to that guy. Yeah, it's really exciting because I know that when people are writing books,、uh, for example, Damien's writing his book,、uh, a lot of people writing books at the moment, and one of the best places you can go would probably be this website, which is, it's not. It's, it doesn't have any bias in it. It's not like information that's been taken and regurgitated by another journalist over time that you're looking at later. This is from the actual time. So 
yeah, excellent stuff. I can't wait to explore it even more. So there was also a lot of a lot of talk this week about a simple photograph. Do you guys know? Oh, here, here we go. Here we go. So a new Michael Jackson photograph is on display at the Berlin Museum of Photography, courtesy of photographer Greg Gorman. First up, this is a real image confirmed by Karen Fay, who did the makeup on this photo shoot. This is not, like I initially thought, one of those fanfic pics of sexy Michael that the girls out there make, which I see on our timeline sometimes, and some of them are scary. <laughs> Especially so, the ones with the gold pants, because they're Well, no, I'm talking about no pants. <laughs> no, I'm what? talking about the ones with no pants. Are there people out there take make pictures of Michael no pants on? Oh, there's some oh sexy fan-made pics out there. Oh, um, apparently, you don't know Rule 43. You know Rule 43? <laughs> What's Rule 43? <laughs> rule 43, that is that it, 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 it's a rule that no matter what there is, that there is a porn attached to it. No matter <laughs> So, you, I mean, you could think of any single thing that you ever want to. I'm pretty sure it's called Rule 43. And there is a, 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 oh my God, yeah, just think of anything and then type it in Google and then type in Rule 43 or type in just porn and there will be something for every single little thing. <laughs> so you said Michael Jackson in gold pants, Rule 43. There's okay, <laughs> here you go. That's your challenge now, Q. Type in Michael Jackson Rule 43 right now. Go to Google Images. No, thanks. <laughs> Man, I've been on our Twitter timeline, remember, and I'm like, you know, yeah, there's the Gold Pants Brigade, which shout out to those girls because they're, they're, you know, awesome and full on. But then there's the ones that, you know, they write stories like about, you know, either themselves or just like fan fiction stories with Michael and then others create images with them. And I'm like, oh okay, God. this is a whole yeah, other Oprah show right yeah. here. Okay, we're not, I'm not. I hope I don't see that stuff. <laughs> You're gonna see stuff. You're gonna see stuff you wish you never saw. So that's so okay. Long story short, you thought that this picture I was it one was of a that fan made pic because it's um yeah, it's like you know sexy Michael in this oh. thing that we've never seen him wearing, which looks like a little a little wrestlers. I don't know what they. We don't have that over here really, but it's like a little wrestlers thing. <laughs> I didn't think so. I don't think it is. I had someone tell that to me as well. They were like, oh, it's a le like a white leotard with an open front. I actually just think it's Michael sitting there in white undies with white with a white open collared shirt. And it just looks like it's one thing. No, but it he looks like it looks like a dancer's wrestlers thing. What do you think, yeah. Jenkins? I, I think I think it looks like it's all one piece. I think it's like a yeah. what's like a toga, like a like a like a weird kind of weird toga. And um, I don't know. Oh, man, I don't know. I thought it to me. I think it looks weird. I, I thought it was fake because his face kind of looked like a wax museum face. Yeah. And so agreed. I didn't think it was real. But I mean, it's, I, I, don't, I don't really know who Karen Faye is. Is she like one of his official makeup artists or something or? Yeah. Yeah. She worked with okay. him for two decades. She's like, OK, well, then, yeah, if she's saying it's real, then I completely believe her. She actually showed a she showed a Polaroid image of an alternate photograph from the shoot as well. So it's it's. Legit, legit, a real picture. Um, so we sort of put it up and said, so, like, what do you think about it? And, yeah, the reaction was interesting, to say the least. It polarized. was Polarised. Um, it was polarised. Um, so generally, the girls love it. The girls think that it's, like, an awesome photo, generally. Most of the women 
um, that we sort of got responses from. Oh my God, I love it from Denise Purcell. I think it's fabulous. Uh, and then the guys are like, nope, don't think it's him. It doesn't look real. Oh, that was actually <laughs> you. That was you. Ah, it doesn't look real. That was you, man, James. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the guys, not as popular, but the girls love it, which I can imagine because um, that's how they does, sort of see Michael, I guess. It does make him look a bit, you know, and, and you know, it does make him look a bit feminine. And so, I mean, because he's wearing like uh, those... Um, Leg warmers. Yeah, leg warmers. Yeah, and like to me, I thought it was I thought it was a woman's body with like a photoshopped Michael's you know wax head. It it didn't look real. It made him look extremely feminine, which I know you know he did it at times. You know, go more on the feminine side, but this was I mean this is out there. I mean I I I remember Mm. the the uh, the the video. um, Oh geez, I can't remember the name now. Calling a blank. The one with him and Lisa Marie Presley. Um, yeah, you are not alone. You are not you, alone. Yeah, you are not. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Which he and had like, a that, lot less clothes on than this. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, with that, I was like, well, that's the only way that I could kind of figure it'd be around the same the same time. But it's like it wasn't. It's like that's eighty eighty seven. This is you know a few years later. So I'm like, there's no, I don't know. It, it to me it was confusing. So <laughs> I um I'm gonna throw an opinion out that might be a little bit controversial and different to what you guys are thinking, but. I, I think it's a, a beautiful photograph. Like, I really, really like it a lot. I'm kind of... I, at first, I didn't. I went through this, like... I, when I first saw it, I, like... I rejected it like you, Jenkins. I was like, that's not him. That I just didn't think it looked like him. The lighting, whatever it was. And then I went through this thing where I was like, oh, I don't really like it. It's a bit odd. But then I started thinking of it more from the point of view of like it being sort of like a neoclassical sort of piece of art. Like if if you look at proper classical artwork, whether it be sculpture from ancient Rome or Greece, like a lot of people from that time period of notoriety, especially emperors and people like that, would present themselves with very little to no clothing, looking very regal, almost godlike. And when you look at this image, it reminds me of that. It's kind of like, it, it looks like just Michael, his raw beauty, just him, his body. He's, it's very provocative. He's, you know, pro- exposing himself, obviously, in the photo. And I think that would have been really a brave thing for him to do because, you know, I know that quite often he was very shy about his body and skin discoloration and that kind of thing. So yeah. from, th- from that point of view, I think it was a really risky photo, a very provocative photo for him to take. And I think it's a beautiful representation of Michael. It, it almost reminds me of something like maybe he just finished some kind of dance rehearsal or something and he's just kind of collapsed on the floor and just, just exhausted and just, just sitting there and, you know, like exposed. I don't know. It's just I like it a lot, but it's taken me about a week to get to the place of liking it, <laughs> I will admit. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think I it was like, so like, shocking. Yeah. It was you, shocking. You go, Jenkins. You go. Oh um, yeah, I just I, I I guess I just to me I I don't like that's why I don't like the you are you are not alone video because I don't really see Michael Jackson as a sexual thing you know it's like mm. to me I see him more as like this superpower like a like a like a superhero you know and so to see him like I, that's why like the you are not alone video is not it's one of my least favorite songs least favorite videos because he is so open sexual you know blah blah and with this one it's kind of the same thing so I guess to me since you know I've been a fan of him since I was a child. To me, I don't really see him that way, and so when I when this when he's when it's thrown at me like that, <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> it kind of you know it kind of uh, sends me a different direction, you know. So I don't know. I guess that's just my thing. 
We've got to remember as well that Michael chose for this photo not to come out. So he obviously either didn't like it or, you know, just didn't have the opportunity to release it, but it definitely didn't come out under his watch. So, you know, I think that's an important thing to remember too. I think um, Jenkins had a good point. Like I've never really sort of, even as like a gay guy, I've never sort of seen him as like a sexual being, a sexual Mm. guy. I've not been attracted. But if I was... Like I, I think, um, I think maybe the girls have sort of uh, focused on this because they they sort of see him in that way more. If yeah. I was to go, oh, sexy Michael, oh, that'd be like come together or dirty Diana or give in to me, Michael. That'd be like rock god Michael. That's like mm. got that you know that masculine swagger and you know just rock awesome manliness. In those yeah. videos, I think that's like, you know, Michael sexy, not attractive sexy, but like putting his sexy <laughs> out there in the sort of rock god way. Um, yeah. So that's sort of interesting that I think guys and girls seem very differently, even if like being attracted to guys in general, I'm not like I can see in some shoots that he's really handsome in this and he looks really handsome here. Like I think in uh, the Stranger of Moscow shoot, the, vid- the photo shoot with these um, straight hair and that trench coat, like he's really handsome in that photo shoot. But yeah, you're not alone. No, nah, not doing it for me at yeah. all. Like I can, I can look at things and be like, oh man, Michael Jackson really looked good here. You know, it's like, like when he looked, he looked good or, you know, uh, Billy Jean, geez, he looked amazing. It's like, and, and there's certain points I'm like, oh man, I could totally see how people could see him as an attractive thing, uh, attractive man. But yeah. in the same aspect, <laughs> I still don't. I still see him as like a like a like a like a father figure, like a superhero. You know, like I don't. I don't really yeah. look at yeah. Batman and think, you know, oh, I think Batman's you know the sexiest man alive. You know, so there's porn yeah. for that too. <laughs> oh yeah, roll forty three. <laughs> yep, there um, is. Not even joking. I don't picture Michael at all in a sexual way. I've never thought of him like that. I think of him primarily as just in, an incredible artist and performer. That's how I kind of view him. But if there's one thing I've learned since starting this podcast, everybody has a different view of Michael Jackson. There's people out there that don't care about his art. There's actually fans of Michael that do not care or listen to his music. They're like, I'm a fan of Michael from his humanitarian point of view. Or I became a... Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've spoken to people who are fans of Michael because... They became fans of him through learning about his trial in in 2005, and that that's how they heard huh. about him. That's how they learnt about him, and they know about his him as a legal entity. And they might be studying law or something, so they're really into learning about all the legal aspects of the Michael Jackson fan world. And they don't care at all about his music. Everybody, there's so many different kinds of Michael Jackson fans, and I think this photo is an attempt by him to appeal to the fans that viewed him as you know in that way um yeah. i don't it's know it's very 80s it's so 80s like you know leg warmers yeah, yeah 80s yeah, yeah but yeah. it's so like jennifer jennifer beale dirty dancing sort yeah. of or flash dance flash dance yeah that's the sort of vibe i got from it i think yeah it was so shocking to see because we've never seen something similar before that i was sort of like taken aback and then i didn't think it was could be real at the start but looking at it, and it's, it. it's a it's a very it's a very classy shoot, and it's a very stylish and artistic photo, and I can certainly give it the respect that it deserves on that front. Oh yeah, I totally agree. It is a very it's a very beautiful shot. I mean, it's it's a great photo. Yeah. It just you know yeah, 
it's my, just my, odd uh, for my us. My convictions yeah. with it. We were like, to do Michael, put your pants on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Shut <laughs> on. I had a similar feeling when the Arno Barney photos oh, came out in yeah. the after he passed away, and there's lots of them. There's dozens and dozens of those photos, and it's known historically that Michael didn't like them at all and he wanted them in the bin. He never wanted them to come out. He wanted them destroyed. I, the only shoot, um, out, the only shot out of that shoot I like is the blue eye circle on the eye shots. Oh, yeah. I don't like any of the others. I like the one where he's got his hand across his chest and all the multicolored little circle things have fallen down behind him. I like... No. I don't mind that one, but... <laughs> the blue the blue circle one reminds me of like something Gaga would have done. Very much so. Yeah. Yes, I like that one too. That would have been that would have been like just a a good image for an album cover or a single or something. I think yeah, I like that one the yeah. most. But some of the others very different. Yeah, agreed. That was that was fun. I'm glad that you know yeah the photos out there and it's made a lot of discussion. So that was that was a positive. So there's our news done. Done. All right. There we go. News, Lock it news in. Is over. Lock it in, Eddie. <laughs> Not Eddie Cassio. <laughs> no, it's an Australian thing. It's an Australian joke, Locketing and Eddie. But... Yeah. What's that show that was off? Uh, Who wants to be a millionaire? Millionaire. Yeah, yeah. 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 The host was. You, you've seen Millionaire, haven't you, Jenkins? Yeah, it's an oh, American yeah, show. Didn't it didn't originate here? Yeah, it's yeah. from America. And then our host, his name was Eddie. And so people, I don't know, like the, the people on the show, the contestants would often say, Lock it in, Eddie. And now that's become kind of like a saying in Australia. We say all the time when we make <laughs> when we make a decision. Lock it in, Eddie. I so. like it. I like it.
Hey, this is Taj Jackson of 3T, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Okay, now that you guys took forever on the news, we <laughs> <laughs> sure it did. Was so much, so much. <laughs> Let's actually get to the real discussion topic that we had all talked about. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a couple of questions that we're going to all kind of answer. Um, our ideas are our favorite song by Michael Jackson, of course. Our favorite album. Our favorite short film. Our favorite Michael look our favorite Michael concert tour and our favorite appearance by Michael Jackson. And so, you know, we'll all go around and answer and give our thoughts and opinions. And, you know, hopefully you people at home don't mind listening to us ramble about our favorite things. But if you want to tell us your favorite things, go ahead and just drop us a line on our Twitters, our Instagrams, our emails, let us know because we do actually enjoy hearing from you all. Okay. So let's go and get it started with, Favorite song, and we'll start with Jamin. Okay, funny you say that you want to get it started because (laughs) (laughs) I bet you guys already know what my favorite song is. But um, screaming, it's great. No, no, no. It's actually (laughs) it's uh, wanna be starting something, and I thought long and hard about this. You know, like I've got a lot of Michael Jackson favorite songs, like a lot, and it pretty much changes weekly as well. Uh, but I, I try to sit down and think, what is the song that best represents what I like about Michael? And I came up with this one. I love it because it's like a massive departure from anything he had done before. Like everything from Jackson 5 right up to, you know, um, off the wall. And then there came this song that started Thriller off. And man, it's big. It's so creative rhythmically. It's got so many peaks and valleys to it. It's got this incredible chant sequence that happens at the end. I love the cryptic lyrics in it. Like he's even singing about Billie Jean in one of his starting something. It's got, um, you know, it's just so much energy. It's the only song he did on every single solo tour. Uh, it's just so big and broad and it's got so many different phases, I guess, to the actual song. And yeah, I just love one of you starting something. I don't know. It's a great pick. It's a great pick. Um, yeah. One of the it's funny around that about that song. He 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 said um, one of the lyrics was so she uh, so they she was uh, walking around spreading lines uh, rumors or whatever. So they called her mouth a motor. Yeah. I always thought I always thought he said so so they called her my promoter. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like that would be that would be so great if she's walking around talking shit. It's like he she's actually promoting him, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> it would make right, sense you, for sure. <laughs> what's yours okay so yeah like Jamin said if you asked me this yesterday or last week it would probably be a different song every single time um and this might be surprising to some but my i've my pick for favorite song is actually from the invincible album wow <laughs> so my track is speechless huh because i think the vocals on that song are just incredible they showcase his um just raw talent it's such a pure 
song and his vocals are just so pure and so simple and just get me in the heart every time. Like I could have picked, you know, Jam, which I love, or They Don't Care About Us um, or, you know, Rock With You. But I think Speechless is just like a pinnacle point vocally for him. It's a very special song, yeah. One of my wedding songs, actually. Well, I can see really? why. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I wanted it at, at our wedding as well, but in the end, we didn't really sort of um, do much music. Yeah, <laughs> the, it's it's kind of uh, funny, but the I didn't have any Michael Jackson for our wedding at all, but I did have Paula Abdul's "Blowing Kisses in the Wind." I replayed uh-huh. it on piano and like read like did a whole orchestra piece for it. And wow. then, uh, yeah, then my wife walked down because she actually picked that song. She's like, she's like, I actually had a dream of this song because I had redone it before. And she's like, I actually had a dream of me walking down the aisle to that song. And I was like, wow. really? Because she's not really into music. But she, so I did this whole orchestra piece for it. And it, it actually sounded pretty nice. But yeah. No That's cool. And then did, did you exit the church with Opposites Attract by Paul Abdul? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Dressed as a cat. That would have been fantastic. <sighs> yes, that would have been awesome. <laughs> you know about um speechless i'm pretty sure the story goes that michael wrote that in like a crazy short amount of time like half an hour or something just after having a water balloon fight really? apparently he was inspired by having a water balloon fight at, at neverland and then just sat down and wrote speechless huh. yeah i've heard something similar and i heard that you know up in that tree as well is where the giving tree of, yeah. yeah that's where he sort of came up with that song but yeah, just yeah. The, the vocals in that song. I could have picked a million stuff, um, but yeah, I picked Speechless today. Ask me tomorrow and it could be different, but I think the vocals are what made me pick that. Yeah, the next, the next dual episode, I'm going to ask you again, and it's going to be like <laughs> so off. <laughs> yep. Little Susie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it'll be, it'll be, like, it'll be like, you know, um, Price of Fame. Or like <laughs> oh, jeez, State of Shock or something. Superfly sister. <laughs> I love State of Shock. Oh my god, I love yeah, that song. State of Shock's good. Really? Oh man, that's one of my least favorites. Really? Oh, Which? Uh, but because yeah. there's two versions. There's the Mick Jagger one, and then there's the Freddie Mercury one. Yeah. Mm, I don't think I liked either one. Whichever one was on the, uh, the the Ultimate Collection. That's the Mick Jagger one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah that Same was that was what album. was released as a single. I love that song. Hey Jenkins, I got to ask. Um, you said you like Kanye West before. I do. Yeah. Do you like the um, Billie Jean 2008 Kanye West thing that was on Thriller 25? I'm, 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 I'm not only going to say no, I'm going to say fuck no. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's like, I love Kanye, I love Michael Jackson, but that did not need to happen. It's like that whole, I, I don't think, like me personally, I didn't like any of the, the Thriller 25 remixes at all. Yeah. Oh, I like... Um... You know what? In, it's, I know it's not a great song, but I don't mind "Want to Be Starting Something" two thousand eight with um with the, uh, what's his name Akon. I didn't yeah. think it was that bad, but yeah, definitely not at the peak of like at the the standard it should have been at for a thriller re release. <laughs> oh no, not at all. It's like luckily the bad twenty five. Aside from Pitbull, uh, the other <laughs> um the other remixes were actually really decent, but. That Speed yeah. Demon mix, I adore oh my from God, Bad so 25. Good. Holy oh, hell. I think we could all agree, though, that Beat It with Fergie is the low point. <laughs> oh, jeez. Did not need it. <laughs> that oh. was embarrassment, that moment. Like, Yeah, oh. there was no reason for that. <laughs> so, 
Jenkins, your favorite song. So yeah, my favorite song. Um, and this is this is a, a, you guys think y'all's is weird. Mine is, and I said y'all. <laughs> I just caught myself. Um, my favorite is actually this place. This place hotel. I don't know if that actually counts, but oh. it's actually the live one from the Bad Tour. Uh, from the, like, I love that song, and I really can't explain it. I mean, because out of all the songs, I love that one the most. It's like, I don't know, it's something about the energy and the melody. I don't know. And that song makes me extremely happy. It's like, I could seriously be in like the worst mood of all time. And if I put that song on, my heart instantly feels better. Like from the moment he just goes, it's like from the very <laughs> beginning. It's like, I just like instantly pep up. I don't know. And like, I love that song. I've loved, I, I love the original as well. But um, that version of it from the live Wembley album uh, from the Bad 25 Oh man, that's just my favorite. That's my favorite of all. That's a great choice. It's, nice it's just one. something that's like, like the like the energy that he that he exudes from that. It's just like you. It just it it, it works you. I don't know. I love the um. I love the dancing in it. Like right in the chorus where where him and he's like put his hand in the air and then off to the side. Yeah. So cool. All right, next one, and this is I'm sure this is gonna be a, be a even even longer uh, <laughs> drawn out one. <laughs> Favorite Michael Jackson album of all time, and we'll start with Q this time. This was so difficult, and again, you could ask any of these questions, and I would have a, probably a, a different answer any day of the week. But I have decided on brrr, the History album, specifically Ooh. disc, specifically disc two. It was. It's an incredible album, and it, the range in it is just huge. Like things like um, "Little Susie" and "Smile," which close out the album, and, and "Childhood," which actually has grown on me so much, um, especially after his passing. And then songs like uh, "Scream," "They Don't Care About Us," um, an Earth song, "Money," so politically charged with so much detail buried in them. Um, I think this is like his opus, really. It, it covers everything, and the quality of nearly everything on there is just incredible. So, and and also it was partly because, like, I was a fan since Black or White and Dangerous, but for history, I was like part of like the whole campaign, like the ads on the radio, the TV, in the record stores, mm -hmm. the pre-ordering of it, the countdown yeah. for the release date, the promo leading up to it, and then the tour. So I had the entire package experience with this album. So I think um, I've got a lot of attachment to that. But I think as a work itself, um, there's just so much, even just on disc two, let alone disc one with the greatest hits, which stand for themselves. But just disc two alone, yeah, that's my pick. Do you have a, do you have a favorite song from the album? Probably like They Don't Care About Us. Earth song would be my oh, man, top two. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great album. Away. Too Bad it's... as well. I love Too Bad. Oh, my God. Too Bad is definitely up there. That's Shaqu Shaquille O'Neal on that one, right? Yeah, he does the rap. Yeah, he, yeah. he's rapping on that one. Yeah. The, the next episode we're doing for Moonwalk Talks, I have a buddy of mine that's a rapper as well. We're doing a whole episode on just uh, the, the rappers in MJ's life. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's cool. You heard it okay, here first, so James. 
Okay, so mine is a little bit at the other end of Michael Jackson's discography from history. Uh, my favorite Michael Jackson album is Off the Wall. Oh, okay. And I think, like, the reason for that, I know that his later albums, minus Invincible probably, there's a lot more, I know there's a lot more sonic experimentation going on, and I, I know that's when he's, he's at his artistic peak, like, from Dangerous to History probably, and his lyrics are so honest during that time. But I don't know, for me, what I appreciate about albums a lot of the time is cohesion, so, like, a sound that's similar all the way through them, like a kind of like concept records. And... For me, um, having Off The Wall, like every song on it being produced by Quincy Jones and that team that was assembled to work on the album, like Lewis Johnson, the bassist, Greg Phelan Gaines on keys and Steve Piccaro, um, uh, Rod Temperton writing a bunch of the songs and Jerry Hay on horns. Like that sound that was put together by Quincy and Michael, it's just incredible and it's, it's so classy, like... I don't know, just every song from the start to the finish, from Don't Stop you Till You Get Enough right the way through to Burn This Disco Out, there's just that cohesive, funk-driven... You know, people call it disco, and I guess it kind of is a disco sound, but all disco really is is just jumped-up funk anyway. So it's just that it's sound... Funk. Yeah, it's just all the way through it. Um, and it's just so fun and light, and it's just, to me, like, it's the ultimate party album... There is a lot of experimentation that happens on it as well, musically. Like, um, what's that song that Beyonce covered after Michael passed? Um, I Can't Help It. Oh, yeah, Can't Help It. Yeah, that, that song, it's so unique. That's kind of like the the closest Michael ever got, I think, to recording a jazz song. And, man, is it great. So, yeah, that's I don't one, know. Yeah, that song is amazing. Yeah, it, yeah, just, it is. Just, it's just such a classy record. And, it's, yeah, I love it. I love it. I don't know if I've explained it well enough, but... <laughs> I think you have. No, it is a solid, yeah. solid album. And it was really at the closing end of the whole disco phenomenon. And he sort of finished that whole era off with yeah. such a bang. That yeah. was like, we're done. Drop, drop mic, walk away. This is off the wall. <laughs> it can't be better than this now. It's kind of like as well, like his... He put so much effort into it because it was him. That's the kind of the period that Michael started, I think, dreaming of like really wanting to conquer the world in terms of being the most successful, you know, commercial artist ever. And, you know, obviously he achieved that with Thriller, but I think the efforts to achieve that were really had its roots in his collaboration with Quincy for Off the Wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very true. And you're, 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 you're spot on. Like that album is seriously one that you can just put on and you can you can literally enjoy it from beginning to end, and you, you, you there's no songs you can skip on that album at all. Yeah, yeah, no. Even girlfriend's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably the weakest one on there, but it's it, still... it is. It, it, I think it's just the way that it starts out. It kind of like if it would have started out differently, I think it would have been more of a solid track. But it just kind of comes in kind of bleh, you know, it's like kind of weak. And so yeah. I think it would have started stronger. Like the other ones are, you know, exactly. Yeah. A good point. Jenkins, your turn. <laughs> My favorite album is dangerous. It was the first album that I've ever owned that I ever owned as a child. My mom bought it for me when I was a when I was a I don't know six or seven or something like that. My mom didn't want me listening to Michael Jackson when I was little. I don't know why, but um, I think it had something to do with my dad. Like he was a big MJ fan, and he was really abusive. 
But um, even though she protested to me listening to MJ, she still bought me that album. Like, I remember one time I was, like, sitting in the car and, like, Remember the Time came on. And, like, I would sit and, like, tap, like, tap my hand, like, bob my head to it. She turned the channel. <laughs> she did not want me listening to him. So, um, but and, but it, as of, like a, like, a peace offering, she bought me the cassette for my birthday. I think when I turned, like, seven, I think. Um, but, yeah, the reason why I love the album so much, it was, it's just the imagination passion and perfection that went into every single sound every single beat every single click note i mean in every single noise and like to this day it's still astounding to me like um nothing to me has ever sounded since since this like like this album like i can't even think of an artist or an album that has created something that has even sounded close to dangerous like i, I do believe that thriller is his best album um, and as great as it was, there were still elements of it that could be replicated and has been replicated in other pop albums. Like Thriller, every single song on Thriller was just one hit after the other. But Dangerous wasn't so much about making hits to me. It was more about like achieving a new sound. It was like so unique that it cannot be duplicated. And as a, and like I'm a musician and producer and like the album just had so much in it that I still have a hard time figuring out how it was constructed. Like you can listen to the music like a hundred different times, and you can always hear something new. Like on the like um, in the closet near the end, you can hear what sounds to be a person beating on a kitchen table. So I like to think that like MJ and Teddy Riley set up an entire kitchen table with like plates and silverware, dishes and cups, and they put it all inside the studio, and then they banged to the rhythm to get that sound. And it's just like little things like that, and also. Dangerous was the last album that we would get uh, that Michael like felt free to actually create music. Um, the world didn't think of him as a child molester or a freak or anything. Like every album past Dangerous was so aggressive and it stopped becoming innovative. It's like past Dangerous, he held on to the sound of Dangerous and created that and like all the other, like all that, you know, like kind of like, like a New Jack swing sound. He kind of replicated that in a lot of the other things like history and um, mm. and um, yeah, Invincible. Um, and so he actually kind of stopped at Dangerous. Like Dangerous was like the last time he actually did something completely new and innovative. Um, and he, and all the other, a lot of the tracks after that, he was just so aggressive towards the media, towards everything. He didn't really get a lot of really deep love songs or just songs about, you know, like fun things because he felt like he had to have this wall up. I mean, it's, I love Dangerous, but it's really heartbreaking to think that after that, as like it, that was really the last album we got the true Michael, you know. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on the sonic innovation, like especially after Bad, because you know, Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad very much. Even though a lot of the songs were written by Michael for those albums, yeah. I guess the 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 production of the album and the different musicians that were bought in and the the sound that was created, a lot of that was to do also with Quincy Jones. Yeah. So so dangerous was this this moment of Michael going out on his own and handpicking his own team to put together the sound he wanted. And there's yeah. so much experimentation in that. Like that that new Jack Swing sound that Teddy brought to the table is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's an awesome choice. Yeah, that was All like right. my number Actually, two for sure. Can I ask you a question, Jenkins, about Dangerous? Yeah. I want to know what you think, because to me, Dangerous is like, I agree with everything you said, but I also think that there's really 
two halves to that album. It's almost like two albums. Like the first half, it, you know, your big Teddy Riley club bangers, like hard, yeah. hard hitting New Jack songs. And then your second half is Michael really being very creative and experimental himself with the songs that he wrote. Yeah. Um, you know, with Black or White and all of those different ones, like Who, who Is It and, and everything. Which half do you like? Do you separate it like I do in your mind? Like, or which half do you prefer? What sound? Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you're right. Like, there, it, it totally could have been two completely different albums because, like, the, the, the beginning is like a lot of the New Jack Swing, um, you know, just bangers. But, and then it goes off to a softer side near the end, aside from Dangerous, of course, at the end, which could have been at the beginning, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know. As a, I really like a lot of the faster paced stuff, but I have to say the stuff like I, th- like that to me as a as a rapper producer or whatever that that one really resonates with me. But as a as a person, as like as an MJ fan, I love Keep the Faith. I love uh, Gone Too Soon. It's like those tracks to me are like oh man, they're just they're just some of the mm. deepest songs. It's like man, I just Will- remember like, even as just a child, just like like sitting there listening to these songs and being like whoa, you know, mm. crazy. Will you be there? Is just oh my god, yeah, another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that one's yeah. That's 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 the end of the favorite albums. Okay, so the next one would be our favorite short film. And Jamin, we will start with you. Okay, so mine is Stranger in Moscow. Uh, I've spoken on our last episode about my opinion of Michael Short's films. And I, I know that things like Thriller and Remember the Time and those really, really long short films uh, with narratives driven through them are kind of like what most people appreciate most about Michael. And I think what he thought his best work was often like Smooth Criminal, those really big narrative-driven pieces. And they are incredible. But I don't know why, but just for me, I prefer shorter more focused videos and I'm attracted, I guess, more to the visual side of short films rather than the narrative side. So I love Stranger in Moscow because it's just this amazing visual masterpiece. So it's grayscale, it's black and white for the whole thing, which is very different to other things that he had done before where he usually had very deep, rich sort of color palettes. Um, And I love this concept of time slowing down and that being represented in the film. So there's a quote by Michael, uh, I think it's in the J. Randy Trabrelli book about him, and it says, I think he said that even at home I'm lonely, I sit in my room sometimes and cry, it's so hard to make friends, I sometimes walk around the neighborhood at night just hoping to find someone to talk to, but I just end up coming home. And apparently that's what's what J. Randy Trabrelli is saying in his book is that kind of feeling, that kind of experience is what this video was based off. So after the child molestation allegations, Michael traveled to Russia on tour during the History World Tour. And, you know, he had an acute sense of loneliness and depression during that time when he was in Moscow. And uh, that's how the song came to be. That's how it was written. And I think visually... I think Dangerous it, World Tour. Sorry, Dangerous World Tour. Yeah, mistake. And um, the the video itself visually represents that in a way that I don't think any other style could. So the whole concept is that there's these six people, six figures for this is for listeners who may not have seen it, but six people in the video who are struggling with something in their life in some way. Someone's homeless, you know, someone's, you know, being ostracized from their friends. And then there's Michael and they are keeping up with 
normal time. Like they're, they're behave, their bodies, they're, they're behaving physically like, you know, in a normal pace in terms of time. But the world around them is slowing down completely, like slow-mo. And just the way that it's captured, I just feel like is is just so, so beautiful. And it's captured in a beautiful widescreen ratio, unlike a lot of his other films, which are, you know, four by three square. And yeah, to me, it's his visually his greatest accomplishment. And I really hope one day we get to see that that video released in high definition somehow. But yeah, that's my favorite MJ video. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's definitely one of my favorites. I love that one. The song is amazing, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that the time slowing down effect. It's so well done. Yeah, and just the way like his face is centered on that one, and it's like he's walking toward. Oh man, yeah, it's just great. It's just oh yeah, all around classy. It's one of the classiest ones. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. What about you, Q? Oh, I've sort of cheated on this one. I think <laughs> uh, I know what yours is. Uh-oh. What is it? <laughs> uh, you want me to guess? Do you want me to? Oh wait, it? no, no. If, if if it's a cheat, then I guess I, I would. I think I probably have the same guess. Go ahead. Okay, so my favorite short film is the history teaser. Oh, I got it wrong. I thought you were going to say ghosts. Oh, see, I was going to say um, if it was a cheat, then it would have been. I was thinking, um, uh, uh, love never felt so good because it has a whole bunch of them in there. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> no. That is a big cheat. So I. <laughs> as a short film it's not a music video so that's where i've cheated because if you ask me my favorite music video i've got a different answer but my favorite short film i adore the history teaser with the whole crowd and the hysteria and the love and then the bloody humongous ridiculous statue like who does that who does that and who else would deserve that no one except michael and being in like, you know, in like seeing him in person and having that crowd around you going like hysterical and being hysterical in front of him, I can relate to that. And I just think it's this this overblown vision of love and that's just sort of fans and Michael and I love that so much. And it's just a beautiful film and it's powerful and it's audacious and it's awesome. So, yeah, that was my left field answer for that one but you you are completely right like if somebody else tried to do that like anybody else people would be like what a dick well they like, said that only michael, michael jackson well. pulled that off they did say that for michael can you imagine a justin bieber version of that it just oh would my not god work. it would not fly it would be the lowest rate video on youtube of all time it just would not work <laughs> but at the time of this he copped a lot of lot of bad press for doing this as well so it really wasn't as i mean if, yeah. when i was a kid i didn't really pay so much attention to the press because like i didn't really care but when as a kid i was like oh like everybody around me was like oh my god michael jackson is just the greatest and blah 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 i never remember anybody here saying anything bad about it but i mean yeah. i don't know i didn't really watch too much tv yeah. yeah it was yeah it didn't like critics sort of um uh blasted it and people said that uh, he'd sort of stolen the idea of uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, who was a filmmaker, who did, yes, incredible films, but then made a lot of those incredible films for Adolf Hitler with mm. Triumph oh, of the Will. Wow. So 
like they said, oh, he's sort of, you know, glorifying himself like this and like it's a Nazi tribute. And there was a lot of crazy stuff being said about it. And that who like, yeah, even building a statue for the video or the real ones that were then floated around rivers and put up on pedestals around the world as promo, people sort of did say, what the hell is this guy think of himself to do this? But for me, it wasn't about what he thought of himself. It was about what us as fans thought of him. And that's how I always took it. Yeah, definitely. And it would have been so exciting to see at the time. I only ever saw it when I bought the history DVD. I think it's the history on film volume two DVD is when I first saw that. But I've read that at the time in the mid nineties, that select video, like, sorry, film theaters, cinemas around the place would show that as a promotion for um, the history album coming out. And oh I just, my God. the feeling of sitting in a, in a film theater and then that comes on, like I, oh man. I just that would have been amazing. <laughs> I, I remember the, the first time I saw it, it premiered on, um, in Australia on Hey Hey It's Saturday with uh, Molly Meldrum, who did uh, Molly's Melodrama, the music segment on that show. And they premiered it. And I remember sitting in the lounge room, on the carpet, on the floor, just glued to the screen. And then this insane, glorious film on my little four by three TV. (laughs) And I was just in tears because it was like, that's how we feel for Michael. And he, to to us, he is like the, the, you know, the army of love leader. And (laughs) so I remember, and then, you know, they would make fun of it a little bit and draw, there was that guy that did the cartoons that would come up on the screen. And it was like, um, King Kong climbing the history statue <laughs> with a with a banana or something. So you know, even then they were quickly making fun of it at, during the premiere. But yeah, I, I just remember sitting there watching that for the first time, and then re- of course VHS recording it and rewinding it and watching it over and over and over and over again. So that as a short film, yeah, definitely history teaser. As a music video, I don't know if you want to hear my answer for that, but that's something different. I thought that was sort of yeah, like go a, for it. Okay, so Smooth Criminal. I couldn't go past Smooth Criminal as my favourite music video. It's just <laughs> perfection. I, that's all I'm going to say on it because I've spoken long enough. But, yeah, Smooth Criminal, it's just perfection. All right. Well, um, thanks for that because my favourite short film was Smooth Criminal. <laughs> there you go. I segued in, I warmed them up, and you can give all the detail yep. because I know that you'll wrap it up beautifully. Um, the reason why I like Smooth Criminal the most, I, I love the song, of course, and I'm talking about the one from Moonwalker, not that weird fast-forward oh, looking oh. How bad is that fast-forward one? Why was that even a thing? Like, why did they even do that? Because Sony is run by a bunch of monkeys. That's and why is that? That's the version that's on the bloody Vision set, isn't it? No, it's not. It's on um, number ones. Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Vision did the original. Number ones is one of the most selling music video DVDs of all time, and they stuffed it up by putting the wrong Smooth Criminal on it. Oh, so bad. Yeah. But, yeah, the original one from from the actual Moonwalker movie, that's the one I like. Um, And it's mainly because the imagery, the costumes, the choreography. um, And, you know, it's crazy because, like, you know, Michael Jackson's had a lot of uh, iconic looks you know but that's one like along with billy jean that's kind of the one that people know him for is that whole fedora um you know 40s kind of you know film noir kind of look you know but the main reason why i love this video the most and it's the lean the lean all around it's be it's insane and 
the reason why it is so important is like because I want you to name one artist that has created a pattern to do a one dance move that lasts less than a few seconds. No CGI, no visual effects, all real time. It's like, okay, for the, for the listeners that don't know, in order for MJ to do that lean, he created a shoe that has a divot in it to connect to a pin in the floor that helps him stay in place. And then he does the lean. He did it on stage and he does it, does it during the video. There's no kind of special effects. I mean, who even thinks of that? It's just Michael Jackson. It's like he created magic, and that's what that's what that was. And you can't like nobody can name a single artist to this day that has thought of something like that. Just it was seconds. It was literally seconds. Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling. No one else has done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think didn't NSYNC do one where they were dancing in a box, or they did that whole bye bye bye, and they were dancing on oh. the walls and the ceiling. Yeah, no, that was cool. But you are correct. There is no one else. No one. It's, it's again this idea of Michael being a superhero, being able to defy gravity, being able to do something that other people can't do. Yeah. And he did and, it. And, yeah. And the people around him were only able to do the lean because he was in pre- the presence of Michael. Is that- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. If they, they can't if they do it at home. Do they do it at home. They're hurting themselves. Yep. <laughs> Great video. It looks stunning. <laughs> I love the colors. I love it's like yes. all the blues and the purples and it's so rich. If you watch Moonwalker on, on Blu-ray on a good quality high definition television, it is stunning how oh, yeah. good it looks. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the uh, the Smooth Criminal This Is It version, Jenkins? Uh, smooth Criminal This Is It version. Yeah, when uh, they did uh, the refilming of like additional scenes sort of stuff. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I thought that was neat the way they incorporated like the old uh, footage in there and like made it seem like he was part of the movie and then had mm-hmm. the explosion. And they, 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 they used the explosion again, I think, on uh, both of the Cirque du Soleil tours. And um, I, thought, I thought it was neat. Um, I see, I did. Oh, yeah. The, only, the thing I didn't like, and this it has nothing to do with Smooth Criminal, I guess, but I guess it's just, I guess, kind of a slide against Michael was that he kind of didn't let that go and it's like with everything he kind of like would move on to the next look and with that one he kept trying to make it happen like on the um on that one track uh god you rock my you, world you rock my world mm, yeah mm. yeah and he kept trying to make it happen it's like you did that let that go and move on to the next thing and that's kind of my i had a big i have a big problem with that because he he just kept trying to like grasp yeah. onto things like thriller and, and and stuff like that. And instead of just creating something new like he did with Scream, he kept trying to redo other things, you know, and I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think You Rock My World actually is probably, in my opinion, one of his weaker videos. Yeah, for sure. The acting, so much in it is so bad. But the, um, yeah, it basically is just like a slightly worse version of Smooth Criminal. <laughs> yeah. I always took it as it was like sort of just honoring it. Hmm. Like a tribute to himself. It was like a tribute to, well, Smooth Criminal and a few, probably a few other little videos as well. It was like a like a little hat nod to different things. Um, and I do love the, the dance breakdown in You Rock My World, the full yeah, version. That is cool. Apparently he was forced into to doing that video. Like he, he, he was going to release Unbreakable as the first single with a video for that from Invincible. The, the actual album, Invincible, was even sold with stickers on the front saying the single, the new single, Unbreakable. Huh. And they... So that would have been dope. 
Yeah, yeah, and the the website when you when you accessed the website in two thousand and one, MichaelJackson.com, Unbreakable was the song that played. But they um the last minute they decided to scrap that idea and make You Rock My World the the first single. I don't think Michael wanted that, so I don't know whether his heart wasn't in the video, but yeah. Okay, and next one. How about your favorite look? Who went who went first last time? I forgot. Me. I think Jamin it's Q's did. turn. Okay, Q, you go ahead. Okay, so Favorite look or costume, I guess, look, I'm going to interpret that as meaning style. So my favorite style is the stuff that he used to wear on the second half of the 1990s. So I'm talking about, I've got a book here, I'm going to flick through and try and find some dates. So around um, 1997, when he was all around history tour, really, what he wore when he was off stage a lot of the time. So, like in Sheffield, England, he was at like a charity thing. He was giving, um, I think, some minivans to a charity. He's got this bright red military jacket just covered in gold braid and this big, you know, huge silver eagle on the on the shoulders with his armband. Um, he had, uh, I think in Asia, he had these incredible military jackets, the jacket he wore at the, when him and his brothers were inducted into the hall of fame. Yeah. And it's got all the, the tassels and the braid love that jacket. So that, that's like, I think my favorite look like just that off stage style around then which sort of, I guess, developed further, like in the in the two thousands, around like two thousand six World Music Awards. I think the suit he wore there was incredible as well. But it's such a different look. It's so mm. just classy and stylish. I think the whole Michael image has always been, you know, the the epaulets and the braid on the jackets and stuff like that. Yep, definitely agree. Uh, if I had to say costume, because that's in there as well, that's. That's really hard. I do adore the gold spacesuit costume from the Scream on the History concerts. Yeah. When he's just standing there with the chest plate and the, the, the gold armor and just as that spaceman, that costume is the bomb. Yeah. That is pretty cool. So good. Love that. That's like superhero Michael right there. <laughs> awesome. What about you? Yeah, I agree with Q completely. That's the same thing that I've got. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same wow. thing. So the whole like Napoleonic era, 18th, 19th century military inspired jackets. Basically, I found an example of one as well that I thought was the best representation of that for me. So there was a specific appearance that Michael made in 1990. He visited uh, George Bush Sr. at uh, the White House. Yes. And he has got one of these military jackets on and it's basically everything he's wearing is totally coordinated. It's all black and red. He's got a black um, military jacket, red armband, black sort of tight pants, but it's also got like the bad era sort of belt strap things around his thigh. So it's kind of like a combination of that bad era and the late nineties era. And he's got this red sort of wraparound belt that's draped over his waist and kind of like his upper legs as well. And he's got a brooch on his chest, like a like a kind of like a diamond or silver looking brooch, uh, and awesome, awesome Ray Ban sort of sunglasses. And I just think it's a great, great look. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but 
I'm with Q 100%. Definitely that military-inspired look offstage kind so of. So iconic. So iconic. Yeah, and like he did wear it on stage sometimes. Like in the um, in the History World Tour, he has in the his- the actual song history. He has kind yes, of like I a love similar that look. Jacket. Oh my god, that jacket is to die for. Yeah, and on um, but he also wore stuff like that back when he toured with his brothers. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the Victory Tour, most of yes. the costumes are totally military inspired that he wore. Yeah. So yeah, it's a theme that went through his whole actual life, except in that last ten years. You're right. He gravitated more towards rather than developing his own style. I think with with Michael Bush and those people that he had with him, he was kind of using, um, he was wearing a lot of Balmain stuff. He was working with... Um, Big designers. Who, yeah, who was the guy that developed the World Music Awards stuff? What was his name again? Oh, my God. Uh, I've got some of the sketches on my iPad. It's on the tip of my designs. tongue. Yeah, but that... that, that I'll try costume. and find it while you're talking. Yeah, we, maybe we can put <laughs> that in the show notes. But, yeah, his his style did evolve and change in that last decade to be much more classy, much more close-fitting, like, suits with a lot of um, reflective elements. Like, uh, you know, he did that appearance, I think, in, 20, in 2006 with Larry King where he's got, like, a bright reflective silver jacket over a suit. His appearances in Japan where he went to, like, a U.S. military base in Japan, I think, in 2007. I love that look when he got oh. out of the helicopter and he went yep. to greet the troops. That definitely is in, like, the top of my favorite looks. That was just incredible. The last half of the 2000s is really all about classy Michael and the, the 90s, I think, is more about, like, his own style that he kind of developed, the military look, so... Yeah. Roberto Cavalli Roberto Cavalli was the name of the designer for World Music Awards and some also Japan appearance outfits. Yeah, I love I that, that Roberto Cavalli look. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's a big, big designer. Yeah. There's an incredible image of him in uh, an outfit he wore where fans paid to do a big meet and greet with Michael in Japan and he had that black suit with the gold lions over it. Yeah. And in the concept art... Michael's there, these these boots and that suit, but he's and in these awesome shades. But he's also got this huge Dracula cape. <laughs> oh, that's it's a right. big glowing <laughs> cape wrapped around, and it's incredible. <laughs> and I'm sad that we never got to see that. We got to see the suit, but we never got to see him in this. It's literally it's black on the outside and red on the inside cape, but it is awesome. Who thinks of that? Just wakes up one morning. You know what I'm going to wear to my next appearance? A cape. Well, I don't think Michael thought of it. I think Roberto Cavalli thought of it. Maybe Michael saw the cape and he was like, I'm not wearing a cape. <laughs> I'll trip over the cape. Jenkins, what's your favorite look slash costume? All right. Well, if we're going with the physical appearance, I'm going to have to say his facial structure right after Thriller, but right before Bad. He had a couple of nose jobs, but it wasn't a tiny thing yet. <laughs> and he was... Just like the perfect shade of brown, he wasn't too black, not too white. I'm just, I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> no, um, I didn't okay, even thought of that. Yeah, I didn't think of it like his his actual <laughs> look. I didn't take it yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just joking. nice one. Um, you played us, <laughs> and now you're gonna get all the hate mail. Oh yeah, it's like you should never be talking about Michael like that. Yeah, it's it's funny because like people will like 
never wore a wig. Emails and they'll be like, "Don't talk about Michael like that." And I'm like, "Dude, and if you like, I'm I host a dang Michael Jackson podcast. If like, if I hated Michael Jackson, I wouldn't be hosting a Michael Jackson podcast." <laughs> and it's like, it's so funny how angry they get. And I'm just like, "Listen, you you got to joke about the things that that about Michael as much as you love him. You know, it's like you have to you you, you know you, you have to take the good with the bad. I guess you know. Exactly. Anyway, but." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the dangerous uh, golden uh, onesie. Oh, are you serious? I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> People who know me know how much I hate that thing. Like, yeah, I think I think oh. remember listening to part of an episode and you guys just I think you guys went off on that thing cuz I was like oh, I have to throw that in there. <laughs> I was ready to wage war. I'm like no man, that's the terrible. <laughs> oh, that was the worst look. Um, no, seriously, I, I, I like, I really have to go with, uh, his look on the victory tour. Cause everything about that look was like classic Michael. He sequined everything. His everything. jacket was sequined. Yeah. The, the, like that blue and red shirt. I love that shirt. Um, he, like he, that was sequined. His glove was se- sequined. I, you guys probably didn't notice it, but they replaced Tito with a sequin. It just went <laughs> sequin. <laughs> sequin Jackson. Sequin Jackson. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I love that outfit. Like to me, like that is Michael Jackson. And yep. if I but if I was actually so close because I wanted to pick Captain EO as well. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yes. love Captain EO. Wow, that's a that yeah. was a terrific costume in Captain EO. Good choice. Okay, what is your favorite tour? And we'll start with Jamin. Okay, definitely. Uh, well, probably the, I would say the Victory Tour. So the tours that Michael did got grander and grander with scale. Every single tour that happened, uh, started really, um, with the Jacksons, you know, with their triumph and destiny tours, you know, bad, got, uh, sorry. Um, victory got a little bit bigger than bad, got bigger again. And then by the time you got to dangerous and history, you've got things like tanks rolling out on stage or like yeah. with, <laughs> with this is it, you know, there was going to be a bulldozer on stage and, you know, it just got huge and grand. But for me, like all of that stuff, I've, I just got to admit, and this might not be popular opinion, but I actually think History Tour is his worst tour. Like, for me... I agree. For, for me, it's... Ugh, like, Michael was a musician. He was an artist. He was a singer. And I like hearing the live elements of his work being represented on stage under pressure. I'm going to say it, like, under pressure. There's a difference between somebody standing on stage and dancing around to a pre-recorded track... And a different, and somebody dancing on stage live, having to sing that under pressure, remembering all the lyrics, getting all the notes right. You know, it's a different kettle of fish. And and I'm not saying Michael couldn't do that. You know, Michael could do that, and he did it so well when he chose to do it. The problem is that he chose to do that so little in his later career. When you go back to the early '80s, he did it all the time. Every song on every show was live, and. Yeah, so even though, you know, the, the, the fireworks and the amazing um, theatrical elements of history and this is it were, you know, incredible. If you look at the Victory Tour, it's Michael and his brothers united uh, performing their incredible songs live on stage, you know, warts and all, bum notes and all, you know. Um, yep. And it was just so raw and so real and so them. And, you know, you just... 
you see the, the sweat dripping off their faces. They're ripping each other's shirts off. They're um, dancing just with so much energy, jumping up on pianos and doing all this impromptu ad-libbing. And the energy is just so raw and real. And it by far is my favorite tour. I think there's just something as well about seeing Michael united with his family and his brothers on stage doing the old songs and the new songs. Like his brothers are there doing all the instrumentation to Billy Jean and Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, you know. Yeah. It's just awesome to watch, and I hope we get to see a proper uh, high-definition release of that show one day as well. Oh, my God. So good. Seriously, one of these days, they really need to put that one out. Jeez. Because yeah. everything online <laughs> is just the worst. Yeah. And. In saying that, I think that This Is It actually would have been a really good return to form because history, as we know, like every song in it is basically playback except um, Wanna Be Starting Something and the Jackson 5 stuff. But when you yeah. get to This Is It, like in the rehearsals at least, pretty much half the songs he would do he was doing was live. So I think yeah. it would have gone back to that, but I don't. no one really knows. So, yeah, victory tour for me. What about you, Q? I'm going to be honest. I actually have not got an answer written down for this one. I have not been able to decide. <laughs> like we've been talking about this for weeks and and a lot of this stuff I've really only decided in the last 24 hours because my mind changes all the time. The concert tour one is hard for me. I actually got to go see the history tour twice. Um, so right. for me, that sort of um, – that sort of gives me a bit of bias because I was like, well, I've seen it and it was awesome. It was an incredible experience. Looking back on the history tour in comparison to other shows in the performance side of things, it is a very different sort of scenario. So in some ways I just want to say history tour because I, I, I was there, I got to see it literally from the front row and it was amazing and the experience was incredible. And yeah, there was a lot of playback and lip syncing. But at that time, in that moment, I gave zero shits. <laughs> it was Michael yeah. Jackson a few meters away, like doing, you know, Billie Jean and singing history and scream and stuff like that just there in front of me. So I did not care. I did not feel ripped off at all. Oh if I was to watch shows on like DVD or something, I think I would have to pick the bad tour just for the energy of it, really. Like the performance was awesome and the energy of it. So that's why I couldn't decide because, yeah, I just felt, I don't know. Like I, I would just say history because of the whole experience of the entire history album and tour was incredible. But then concerts, yeah, I don't know. I, I, sorry, I can't decide, but yeah, that. Well, I have so to say history that, um, or bad. I have to say that you, like, I, you got me back because I was, I was trying to flaunt that you know I went to Disneyland every week. You got to see Michael <laughs> Jackson twice, so, <laughs> so I, I would give, I would give every weekend of Disneyland just to see half of a show. So you yeah. know, there, you got me, you got me for that one. So okay, we're we're even now. Q Q didn't yeah. just get to see Michael Jackson perform live. Let's be honest, Q, you've seen him jumping in and out of cars. You've been to hotels where he's been. I uh, the history arrival in Perth <laughs> and Brisbane. I'd he's the luckiest Brisbane. guy on earth. No, oh, I'm geez. not the luckiest guy on earth, but I had some incredible experiences, and I'm so grateful and blessed that yeah that I've been in the presence of Michael Jackson and. 
yeah. I've ever been to Michael Jackson is his tomb if he's even inside that thing. So <laughs> that's that's through a door. So that's that's the closest I've ever been to that guy. I haven't been to Forest Lawn. It's 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 a it's fantastic. I used to go there all the time when I was living in LA. Um, I um, I would just drive. My my wife worked down the street from it. She worked at an animal hospital down the street, and so I would just drive. Like I would take her to work, and then I would drive there, and I would just sit there sometimes. And it's crazy because like where the, the you they won't let you inside the door. I'm sure you guys know that. There's yeah. um there's a door there, and then you can you can look through the door, and you can see the tomb at the far end of the hall. And you can see it's weird because like there's a uh, a stained glass window with light. Sometimes the light will shine through it and it shines through and hits the the tomb. I'm sure they planned that, but it it, it looks fantastic if you what from if you can see it if if it's at the right time of day. Um, but yeah, you can't go in there. But it's every single time I go up there, there's always new pictures, new flowers, new paintings, quilts. You know, it's like and then there's always somebody there. Always, it's like I think there's only been like one time I went there and there was nobody there. And so I would just sit there and I'd put on some music and I would just kind of vibe, you know. It's kind of neat. And um, but yeah, it's 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 a cool little area. If he's even inside that tomb, though, I really don't think that he's in there because it you could literally break in. It's like it's not hard to break into that place, and they don't have a lot of security. So mm. I think I don't really think he's there. I think maybe they probably put him up somewhere a little safer, which is I I'm not blaming him. That's probably the smartest move they could do. But there's other hum- like really famous people interned in that same place. Yeah, but so I mean, he wouldn't be the, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Different, <laughs> different thing altogether. I remember that at the time, like, oh, you know, is he going to be buried at Neverland? I always, in some ways, thought that would have been nice. I, I wish. I mean, hopefully, one of these days. I mean, the tomb's above ground, above ground, so he could easily be moved there. Mm. If yeah. it doesn't get sold first. Yeah. <sighs> All right, my favorite tour is the Bad Tour, and hands down, um, it's only it's mainly for three things. One, it has my favorite song on it, This Place Hotel, um, and then two, he sang every single song like you guys were just talking about. He sang every single song on the Bad Tour. I don't think there was a single song that was lip sync. He didn't lip sync any songs, and um, the most important part to me was that he smiled for so much of that tour. He just seemed so happy. He seemed to really be enjoying himself. And it was like it was like the first time he was in control of something. Is like he because like he had to have um, he had to deal with his brothers on the other ones, and he didn't really get to do everything that he wanted to, and he didn't have to worry about his brothers messing things up sometimes, or his dad choosing crappy band members, or you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could actually pick his own artists, dancers, background singers. It was seriously his first real tour for him, and uh, yeah, everything everything about it was fantastic, and. What I think is so crazy about it is that he had just turned 29 when he started that tour. He was 29 years old. That's crazy. So young. It flips me out when I think of him at like, what was he doing as a teenager? He did this. And at this point in his life, like, yeah, bad tour 29. What? Yeah. yeah I don't know how old you guys are, but it's like at my age, I'm sitting there thinking like at, at his ages, cause I'm, I'm, I'm older than 29. And so I said, I was like, I was like, man, it's like to, if I was 29 and I was doing that, it's like I could barely pay my own bills, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are making me feel bad because I actually am 29. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Yeah, it's like, it's so true. Like how much he did like 
before he was even a mature adult. It's incredible. Like, and that's where people get, this is where I get angry at people. Like people get angry when they say, oh, Michael Jackson didn't do anything in the last decade of his life. He didn't do any music. It's like the dude already had like three stellar careers. Yeah. He was a senior citizen by the time he was done. You know, it was like he was, he was retirement. Wasn't he allowed to be a dad and have kids and just exactly. do his thing? Like, why did he have to keep doing stuff? Like, yeah. Oh, so frustrating. But yeah, so true. All right. So I guess we have one more. And this is the fun one. What is your favorite appearance by Michael Jackson? And it could be, I guess, appearance on anything, right? Yeah. So like, oh, well, the way I thought of it, I don't know if you guys interpreted it this way, but the way I thought of it was like, Often Michael did, you know, he did whole tours, like the history tour, bad tour, whatever. But occasionally he would do like a standalone performance, like at a TV special or something like yeah. that. So an official yeah, kind of appearance or performance. Yeah. I think it's Q's turn. Yeah. Q, your turn. 1997, February, Elizabeth, I love you. Oh, yeah. Just incredible. And yes, it was a playback performance. But the song, his look, and the just the the theatrics of it, the simplicity of it, it's just incredible. Mm. Just incredible. I love it. It's such a good song, and it had so much emotion in it. Um, and yeah, it's it's such a rare gem to see something like that. Um, I just adore it. It's a I love it. I can just watch that anytime, especially, and it just builds like at the start. It's like, you know, he's just the, the really simple little lyrics like welcome to Hollywood. And then, you know, there's the little girl with the case and it's just so mm. simple and so almost Broadway theatrical. Yes. And then it just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And then at the end, you know, he's, he's roaring, he's, he's singing and he's roaring the vocals and it's still just so pure. And then, you know, that spotlight, he does the spin and the spotlight and then he just glows. Like mm. the light was so bright that it just reflects off him and he's just standing there glowing. And that note that is played, it just goes on for days and he just has held it and he goes on and then he does try and squeeze in another spin which didn't work out the best at the very end, but the performance, I can just watch that forever. I think that is, I don't know, it's such a side of Michael that we very rarely see, like often like things like Dangerous, which is just the most incredible choreography and, and performance and, and set and dances and effects. But then this is just, you know, him on stage with a song and a spotlight and, yes, of course, the obligatory wind machine, <laughs> and got, he's got there. Just, that's in where's the my wind machine? I yeah, want my wind in, machine. Oh, it's in the boot of the car. Get the wind machine out. <laughs> down at the down at the supermarket. Get the wind machine out. So it's just sort of I don't know. It's just a side that we very rarely saw. It was something so simple and pure, and it shows again. Like in in my favorite pick for song, Speechless. The vocals of that were so beautiful, and the song is something that is so quite different to pretty much a lot of his other stuff. And it, it's a really theatrical performance. It like, you know, his music really did a lot of it anyway, not like stuff like jam and the big sort of beat driven numbers, but the sort of um, ballads and power stuff. You could really do an incredible Broadway show 
based on those songs, like Scared of the Moon, Speechless, things like Elizabeth, I Love You, the Sammy Davis Jr. song. That just shows his range. He wasn't just the king of pop and then, yes, the king of rock and the king of soul. Just he was the king of everything he touched. He could do everything. So it's maybe a surprise, but Elizabeth, I love you. I love it. And that's my favorite appearance and performance. That's a good one. I think it's a very good choice. Thank what you. What about you, Jamin? Okay, I'm just going to contradict everything I said about loving live vocals and choosing an, <laughs> an appearance where <laughs> he didn't use live vocals very much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the 1995 MTV Video Music Awards performance. I knew you were going to choose that one. I knew it. <laughs> it's it's by far. Excellent. Yeah. This was... Um, I love okay. that jacket. Oh, which which one? The black? The, the black, black jacket. Uh, yeah. yeah. So good. So, um, all right. I got when I got into Michael Jackson. One of the first things I did was go out and buy all of his DVDs. And History on Film Volume Two has this performance on it. And I think it's probably my most watched ever Michael Jackson footage. And it's certainly the piece of um, footage that I show to people who may not be fans or mega fans, but want to know a little bit more about Michael. I always use this to showcase, well, this is Michael Jackson. This is what he does. And uh, there's so much in it. Like there's a medley of, you know, the way you make me feel and a bit of beat it and and different stuff, Billy Jean, and then dangerous. And then you are not alone. And there's the, the little things about it are the things I love the most. So in the Billy Jean performance, you can see, you can hear, sorry, like a um, kind of like, uh, I'm really, really bad at beatboxing, so I'm not even going to try and do it. But like in the beat of Billie Jean, there's like a percussive element from the song Why You Want to Trip on Me from Dangerous that's overlaid yeah. on top of the beat. Little things like that are just so cool about it. Uh, Slash's appearance on stage, their, their interaction together, him wanting to get him off stage using the security always cracks me up. <laughs> um and then the the most amazing thing about it to me is the Billie Jean dance breakdown during it. So obviously Michael did many, many iterations of Billie Jean over the years. The history tour, pretty much each dance breakdown is independently different from each other. But the one that he used for 95 MTV is really, really magic. The robotic, the robot walk thing that he did in that is just, I watched that and I'm like, how does a human being even do that? Yeah, the, for sure. The moonwalk he does in it, the second moonwalk, when he like uh, blows a kiss into the air with his hand and then moves backwards doing the moonwalk, it's just so magical and theatrical. Uh, oh man, it just takes my breath away every time I see it. The dangerous performance, in my opinion, is the tightest uh, dangerous he ever did. Like the dance moves are just so sharp and and brilliant. And I know you guys aren't a huge fan of You Are Not Alone. I do love it. I love it because, um, I don't know, it's like his last number one hit and it was it's just a really great song that always gets me in good spirits when I'm feeling a bit down. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there could have been a lot more live vocals in that song. I wish the whole thing was live, um, but unfortunately only the end of it is. Uh, but it looks cool. He's relaxed. He's got his unbuttoned sort of shirt and just chilling out and having a good time and smiling his interaction with the audience in that in that show or sorry that performance is like 
really rare. Like he's talking to the audience like, you know, this is for everyone that made this single number one or, you know, for those of you who love Living Dangerously, this one's for you. And just all of those kind of off-the-cuff comments to the audience are really rare, I think, for Michael to do. So I enjoyed that. The crowd footage, there's, you know, Janet Jackson shaking her head in awe of what her brother is doing on stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great, great performance and definitely my favorite single performance that Michael gave. I just wish he'd sung a little bit more of it live. Awesome yeah, choice. I, I, I can see why I, you I picked say, it. Yeah, that was, yeah, was going to be one of my choices because, like, just that dance routine for, for Dangerous, oh, my geez. Like, that 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 hand, that, the arm movement he does where, like, it kind of does, like, this, uh, like, a round thing. Oh, my geez. Yeah, it's yeah. just so great. The whole The whole choreography for that is just fantastic. Yeah, agreed. My favorite appearance, and I don't know if this counts, but I'm going to go with when little Michael sang Who's Loving You on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1969. Whoa. And, yeah. yes, I think that's probably my favorite one. I uh, When he's doing the talking at the beginning, and right after he says that part, uh, something, something during milk break, it's <laughs> I, you could see poor little Michael had forgotten his lines. I, I, like, I feel so bad for him. He has this long pause. He looks super worried, and for a moment, you get to see that he really is just a little kid, you know? And he's not this untouchable international superstar perfectionist, but he's just human. And um, I don't know, I think it's nice to see little things like that in Michael. Because, uh, you know, he tried so hard to seem from another world that it's nice to see the glimpses the glimpses of when he's just down to earth, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it's funny, you can see him, like, he, he looks so worried. He looks back at his brothers, and they don't even help him at all. It's like, you could tell that he seriously forgot the lyrics. He looks back, they're just kind of like, uh, you're on your own. And then he turns, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then he turns back around, and then he starts, he starts back up. He's like, I gave him my cookies. And then he starts, you know, it's like, and then he goes back to Superstar again. And then, you know, he just, when he hits that, Wee! you know <laughs> he gets that note those notes and i don't know you just see you see him become a superstar once again even though just a second ago he was just a little a poor little kid you know i don't know that's probably one of the most beautiful moments for michael for me it's, great choice how is a kid even like able to do that stuff and just so effortlessly like just the way he did because it didn't even look like he was straining he just was singing and that's just what it was he didn't really sing like that ever again, though. Like, he's the vocal runs in that song are just incredible, like up and down, like so powerful. He, he, in, in his adult years, like, it's not that he couldn't have done that. He just chose not to do a lot of vocal runs. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's interesting how he evolved as a vocalist, but definitely that, that performance is one that highlights his ability as a vocalist. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's an incredible pick. I can't wait to put the link to that in the in the show notes so people can check all of these stuff out. Yeah, that's that's seriously like I when when I like to show people like they're like, oh Jackson Five, blah blah, I didn't really listen to him. Well listen to this. It's like this will show you how <laughs> fantastic of a singer he actually is, you know? Is that yeah. because he, he went through like periods and near the end of his time he was more doing like and so you know, he he stopped actually singing. He was more doing like a gravelly thing. Of course there were other songs like Whatever Happens where of course he did do more singing, but you know, he yeah. really didn't do it as much as he did when he was younger and I think it's beautiful to hear that i think that's why i picked speechless because sort of yeah had yes. elements of that just raw singing pure so pure and his um he did that and this is it as well didn't he he had a little speechless 
yeah section that he was going to perform live i really like the idea of um because invincible was pretty much buried as an album like people <laughs> really it didn't yeah. sell that well and <laughs> you know for, for not reasons of michael's fault but more sony but you know like him still honoring that album and putting songs in this is it from it like speechless and threatened was pretty cool i thought i wish i could yeah. have picked a, a threatened short film as my favorite short film yeah it's actually a great quote of michael saying that I think his exact words were, I can't wait to get my hands on that, meaning he really wanted to do a, a threatened music video one day. Oh, my God. That, that would have been dope. Yeah. I've got one in my head that I would have put together. It's this, like, um, Tim Burton-esque kind of vision. Oh, would have been awesome. Yeah. That, totally. sound dope. that was super fun. Epic discussion time. And we didn't even, like, all pick the same stuff. Oh, I know. Only I was... once. Only once. Smooth Criminal. Yeah. 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 Only one time. I was really worried. Like, imagine if, like, we'd all picked, like, Thriller for, like, the short film. and <laughs> Like, like really, like, hardcore Michael Jackson fans don't really pick the things that everybody else would. Like, everybody else that I talk to, normally they're going to be like, you know, because they're not all, like, hardcore MJ fans. They're just kind of, like, they hear them in passing. And so a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, Thriller. And it's like, yeah, because that's what society is telling you to pick pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, exactly. Whereas you talk to a hardcore MJ fan, they're like, oh, yeah, I like the extended version of Billie yeah. Jean from the 12-inch <laughs> record that came out only in this area. It's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. That's funny. Yeah. So, well, there we go. That's our discussion, uh, main discussion topic of uh, this episode. And now we're going to segue into... Finds of the week. Nice. Oh, yeah, Finds of I the just, week. And I haven't I actually my looked at all so. these. <laughs> That's okay. We can lead off. I haven't looked at them all. So this is going to be new for me hearing some of um, the stuff that you guys are going to showcase. Jamin, did you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Mine's a really quick one. Pretty much everyone knows about this album. It's one of the most popular Christmas albums out there. It's uh, the Jackson 5's Christmas album. Uh, it's really, really great. It's, you know, we're in a very festive time right now coming up to Christmas and I just really recommend you go out and grab the Jackson 5's Christmas album if you don't already have it. Uh, it's got some really, really good songs on there. Uh, there's a couple of ones on there that I think that aren't overly amazing. Uh, I'm just loading it up on my iTunes now. Oh, yeah. So have yourself a merry little Christmas, like the first song. I just feel like there's a few little notes in there that just are a bit out of, I don't know whether they're out of tune, but that's <laughs> that that one song is the only song on the album I don't really um, love that much. But every other song I think is, is excellent. It always gets me in a really great mood. I love listening to um, I Saw Mummy Kissing Santa Claus. Michael singing that as little Michael is just super, super cute. And yeah, it's a great little Christmas album to put on. Uh, definitely when you're with your, your family uh, this Christmas holiday, getting ready for Christmas and, and opening your presents and everything like that, consider putting on Jackson 5's Christmas album. Uh, we'll put the link to it uh, in, from iTunes and everywhere in the show notes. I'm pretty sure it's on special right now, actually, on iTunes. It's quite cheap. But uh, yeah, that's my find of the week. Catherine better not have been kissing Santa Claus because Joe would have beat Santa Claus's ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other Tim Allen Santa Claus movie right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Definitely. Wow! Mommy's kissing Santa Claus! 
Santa Claus. I did. I really did see Mommy kissing Santa Claus. And I'm gonna tell my dad. Do you, do you want me to go next? Yeah. What's yours? Mine is the most random thing ever that I just found while doing one of those Michael Jackson YouTube like rabbit holes. You just start watching Michael stuff on YouTube <laughs> and then you go, oh, what's that over on the right? I'll click on that next. And then all of a sudden I found my find of the week, which is this group of teenagers in 1988 in the car park of Irvine Meadows Amphitheater about to go to the 1988 Bad Concert. Wow. So random. It's this guy, I can't remember any of their names, but it is just, we might even play a bit of the the audio in the show. It's just hilarious because it's just so 80s, these guys. (laughs) And in the car park, just like, oh, wow, we we got like, I don't know if it's theirs or their parents' video camera. And they're just... They don't care about the price of VHS tape back then because they're just talking and they're going, they're just being these teenagers in the car park and acting stuff out and talking to people as if they're interviewing them. Like you go to the Michael Jackson concert and this guy's got this Captain EO jacket and he's, <laughs> and he's 80s jeans and these other guys are dressed up in like the way you make me feel outfit and they just pull off these dance moves in this car park before the show. It's so random and it's so <laughs> 80s and I just loved it. And I was like, no one is going to have seen this. Oh, I can't wait to watch that now. I've never seen yeah, it Yeah, that too. sounds amazing. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's got the 80s hair, the 80s cars. I love it. It's, it's so random and awesome. So just go watch it, have a laugh, and just imagine being there at that time. Like, oh. you would have just been exactly like these guys. You would yeah. have been exactly like... Jankins might have been a bit cooler, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. No, I would have been, I would have been way less cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, back then, you were I would like... I would have been the guy in the parking lot with the glasses, like, uh, uh, did you know that Michael Jackson did not really? It was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> You were uh, Steve Urkel back then. <laughs> I, oh, believe me, I, that I was called Steve Urkel because I used to wear glasses. My every kid in class called me Steve Urkel because, like, I grew up with Family Matters, and so I, I went like just to get them back. I went as Steve Urkel for Halloween like three years in a row. So <laughs> awesome! 
Beautiful. Yeah, that was right good. back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll own Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah, why not? Right. Indeed. So my pick of the week, even though I, I don't know if you give, I mean, I guess it's sort of a joint episode anyway. So I guess I, 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 I went ahead and put a pick of the week anyway, even if I didn't get to choose one. <laughs> no, we, we but, were excited that you picked one. Well, I chose this uh, cover of um, Baby Be Mine by this singer named Bella. She's uh, this girl, uh, she's up and coming sort of girl. I, I saw the video actually, I, I say it's pick of the week, but I saw it a, like a couple of years ago, I think it was. For the first time, I just thought this would be cool to like let everybody go listen to. Um, you have to, when you watch the video, you have to get past the first part. Because she seems extremely annoying at first. Um, <laughs> she, she, she like, she's wearing the hat. And she's like, you can tell it. she's looking at herself in the computer. And she's so enamored with herself that like she's kind of like grabbing things. And like she has like this lollipop and she grabs it for no reason and puts it up to her mouth like she's going to suck it or something. And then she just puts the lollipop away. And then like there's no reason for her to do anything that she does at the beginning. But you just have to wait and get to her singing. Because when she starts singing, it is fantastic. And she does such a great rendition of it. She is a fantastic singer. She did um, she does a couple of different covers. She actually took all these videos offline at one point And uh, I actually... Uh, or people or whoever it was to put that video back on just because I loved it so much. And uh, yeah, she does a fantastic job singing Baby Be Mine. And uh, yeah, get past the first part, listen to, I mean, just to get to the to her singing. It is fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. I watched it this week and really, really loved it. When you put it up on the on our OneNote, I watched it so good. But, but the beginning of it annoyed the hell out of you, didn't it? <laughs> a little bit WTF moment, like for the first... 20 seconds or so i'm like what is happening here yeah and then i just i just wish um like uh i will say that like the recording of it i don't think she used a proper mic or anything i just no, i didn't. wish she i wish she had of though because her vocal is so good in it it deserves to be properly recorded i think yeah it's like well it just it sucks to find that you can't find a instrumental baby be mine and so i actually found the instrumental that she used and it's it's a mixture of a karaoke version mixed with uh, uh, some some of the parts from the original track. And so, if you listen to the instrumental by itself, it sounds awful. And uh, so, if she would have recorded over that in a real studio, it would have sounded terrible. But if she could find an original version of "Baby Be Mine" that's an instrumental, that'd be dope. But I haven't found one. I don't think there's actually one out there yet. So, well, there you go, MJ Estate. On the next issue of thriller the next reissue we want to see baby be mine instrumental version I'd like to all the instrumentals, instrumentals of all the songs acapellas instrumentals alternate mixes be great seriously there is your album releases right there that is worth the yep. money For God's oh yeah sake, it's that simple i'd rather that instead of a pitbull remix please oh, oh my god the face. you know <laughs> as a rapper Pitbull is like my least favorite person of all time. And like all my friends and stuff know that I fucking hate Pitbull. And so I bet when that thing came out, guess who's getting a whole bunch of text messages? Hey, guys, hey, guess who's on your, who guess what your favorite person's doing right now? He's rapping on an MJ track. Are you on an MJ track? <laughs> well, you kind yeah. of are on an MJ track, aren't you? Oh, are you talking about my remix? You definitely have a song about Michael. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I did a, I did a remix um, of like I took I took a um, his his acapella from Cheater. Well, actually, it wasn't really an acapella. I just took the beat out of it just because I liked the, the the hook for it. Yeah, and then I took that and I made a whole beat surrounding it. 
without sampling and because I wanted to like match the sound of dangerous because like that's kind of been like a, a lifelong kind of project of mine is to try to sound like the dangerous album yeah and so i tried to make a beat that sounded like it and then i put his vocals over it, and then i sampled from the way you make me feel i sampled from blood on the dance floor and i think one other track to make of to make a whole track and then had my friend play guitar over it and then i made some rap vocals to it and yeah i tried to make like a michael jackson new song remix sort of thing yeah so there's there's that one i uh i love it q um linked me to it the other day because admittedly i hadn't heard it i had just always listen to your podcast thinking that's what you did. I didn't actually realize, like I knew you were a rapper and did some music production, but I'd never heard your stuff. And then when Q showed me um, this cheetah video, I was, I'm really into it, man. I think it's amazing. Thank you. And that, that, that means a lot coming from other, uh, you know, other MJ fans, you know, cause I was, I was so afraid when I made it because like, I, I actually really liked it. It's like, I think my verses could have been better. Um, but as far as like, as far as like the beat and the getting Michael's vocals on there and actually, cause like, the, the, the vocals that are underneath that are actually from Blood on the Dance Floor, and I got the acapella for that, and then I put that underneath there, and it actually for, somehow matched up with Cheetah real well. Yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, and so, like, as far as, like, the production aspect of it, I think it, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, again, my, I think my verses could be better, but I, I, I was hoping that other Michael Jackson fans would hear it and really enjoy it. It actually, uh, that the MJ, um, the biggest MJ UK fan site, I forget what that one's called, but they uh, picked it up at one point and oh. blasted it. That's that's how it has like so many views is because they uh, they reposted it. So, well, would you mind if we included it on this show? Or yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys can play it whenever you want to. Awesome, great. We might have a listen to it shortly. <laughs> Did me wrong and I don't need a And you don't need a
Vaughn Strong Did the love stick? Did the truth hold? Did you play the game fair? Eyes on your own cards? Or did you read another's hand? Okay, everybody, you just got through hearing uh, the my Michael Jackson-esque remix. I, it says Jenkins featuring Michael Jackson, but that's just clickbait. It's, it's pretty much a Michael Jackson remix, um, and it's called Cheater. You can listen to it on YouTube. All you got to do is go search Jenkins Cheater or Jenkins Michael Jackson. It'll pop up. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess we're closing out the show, so... Well, should I should I tell it now or should I wait till the end? I don't know. No, you could do it now. Okay. Well, if you want to check me out, um, well, my my Michael Jackson podcast, it's called Moonwalk Talks, and you can go to moonwalktalks.com, or you can search Moonwalk Talks on your favorite podcast, radio, a bunch of different ones. Um, just search Moonwalk Talks. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is at Moonwalk Talks, Instagram at Moonwalk Talks. Um, and my name is Jenkins, uh, and you can follow me at who Jenkins on Twitter, or you can go check me out. I do rap music, kind of. I'm kind of a rapper at Jenkins.net. Kind of a rapper, hey? Awesome rapper. <laughs> Why don't you drop us an MJ rap right about now? Oh, oh, an MJ rap? Oh, geez. You know, I, I saw you guys... <laughs> I saw that on the Twitter thing, and I was like, "Oh, geez," because I'm not very okay. You know, I'll I'll try. Hold on one second. My my computer just uh. Okay, all right, all right. Let me think. Let me think. All right, <clears throat> here we go. Jenkins, real talk, hip hop brat, but you know I'm never fake like a Casio track. I'm dangerous. Really think that you can beat me? I'll moonwalk on that ass with a woo and hee hee. <laughs> <laughs> These rappers are a joke, man. It's such a silly scene. While I'm hanging with the groupie, you can call her Billy Jean. Diana is my side chick. She dirty and I likes it. Susie sexting on my cell phone on some sly shit. She kind of like a bank because she taking my deposit. But everything we do, we got to keep it in the closet. But really, we can never say goodbye. We do these shows to keep his name alive. So really... 
thank you for listening. Hope you had a blast. Moonwalk Talks in the MJ cast. Whoa! <laughs> oh, that was epic. Mate, that was so good. <laughs> the Casio trackline. Oh. <laughs> Moonwalk Talks in the MJ cast. Oh. <laughs> that was so Dude, good. Dude, thanks so much. That was <laughs> that was awesome. I'm blown no away. Problem, I'm blown away. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> uh, that's going in the Christmas I can't even special. Copy the uh, the rap from Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Our next episode is going to be a best of the MJ cast uh, for this oh, yeah. year. And it's going to be our Christmas special. So I hope you don't mind. That's probably, I, I would say that'll definitely make it in the show. <laughs> uh, yes, oh, yeah, totally. Awesome. That, that's that's freaking sweet, man. Oh, that wow. will make it into the best of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for nice my one. listeners, where can they find you guys? The MJCast.com is the website where you will find all of the show notes for everything we've discussed today. Uh, from there, you can also subscribe to the show. You can listen to the show there as well, but why not subscribe via iTunes or your podcast application? Because then Jamin can describe the technicality of it, but it's way easier than doing it from the website every single time. But you can email us at the mjcast at icloud.com and we would love to hear your thoughts about the show your favorites you know email us about anything we had uh, a few emails this week from like tyler clausen in america who, who tipped us off on the off the wall documentary news and um and thanks for also for the show that you were for the praise of the show that you gave us tyler it was awesome to hear during the week we also had an email from jack from vancouver so g'day jack and leslie jody and rachel as well all you mj friends up there so people email us at the mjcast at icloud.com because we love it but i think earlier in the show we also said our facebook twitter instagram tumblr and youtube but if you head to the website you'll find all those links uh there for you as well and i also want to just give special uh, thank yous and mentions to verna gold on twitter at yes, verna gold sure. yeah she is out of control awesome you engage so much with us on twitter and we love all of your comments and everything that you say so please uh don't stop michaeling uh mj beats and the michael jackson archives so two very very big communities uh on facebook uh both of them that are doing uh, they're doing an incredible job of uh documenting and you know pushing out all of those leaks that are happening right now not that i agree with leaks in general but since they are coming those guys are doing a great job of, of telling the community where to find stuff so thank you and uh Q, you've got a couple here as well, I think. Yeah, over on the page, um, thank you to Denise and to Ray Day for your comments on our last episode as well. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I think that might be a wrap. Literally, because we just got a wrap <laughs> off, Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to give a shout out to you guys. Thank you for doing what you do. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic, you know, to actually have a good, good Michael Jackson podcast out there, keeping it, keeping it real relevant. I love it. Uh, Thank you guys for doing what you do. 
Thanks, Jenkins. Well, you can't forget, you got there first. You were yeah. doing it first and you were... That's the, it. <laughs> the, the truth is that you were inspiration for us and what we do. So <laughs> thank you for, for doing what you do with Moonwalk Talks. It's excellent. And, and anybody uh, listening to the MJ cast, make sure you jump on to, to find Moonwalk Talks on iTunes because it is a great, great show. I don't do it very often, but I, I do enjoy doing it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll continue doing it for as long as uh, forever. So... <laughs> awesome all right so make sure listeners that you have a great couple of weeks ahead and don't forget to keep michaeling michael on and as we say on moonwalk talks uh, don't forget to smile (laughs) 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 oh i fucked it up (laughs) and as we say on moonwalk talks oh crap i forget what we say (laughs) yeah we we say things on that show i swear (laughs) i say words I learned real good. I I say words, y'all. but i just feel like even there's there will never be anything there's never justice for michael it just never is so it's like i just don't think that anything will ever happen from this case <laughs> unfortunately it just seems like a big shot in the dark i don't know yeah i just I think can feel like that it's I there's just too much money the, yes is she can never keep up with in in terms of finance the whole point of this anti-slap thing is just to drain her money and to um and to bring her to a point where she can no longer afford to pursue them. And as I say, even even if she wins, they'll just appeal and appeal and appeal until she runs out of money, and and then they win by default. I'm sure. I just there may not there may not be a victory in the courtroom, but the book that Damien Shields continues to write, you know, there will be a truth, a public truth, when that book gets revealed. Well, like that AEG case, you know, which didn't end up well hopefully in this sort of thing maybe because like in aeg all the evidence was presented at least in this if we get some evidence either way either way if it's fucking him just present that it's him they obviously can't but susie that would like you know just evidence either way and then that's out there and that's what all people need we're kind of Eddie Casio can't prove it's him at all. Like in my phone conversation with him, in my FaceTime conversation, I was asking him to not to prove it, but I was asking him about the recording process and he was coming up with the most retarded lies you can ever imagine. Like the whole thing about I said to him, Why does why is it that there are actual real Michael Jackson vocals on the songs from like ad libs from all of his other records why didn't he just why didn't you just record new ad libs with him with the alleged lead vocal that you could have included on the song Mm -hmm. and he said he said oh well the thing with that is we didn't need to record new ad libs because michael came with a hard drive full of a bank of ad libs that he wanted to use all the time so we just used them instead that sounds ridiculous okay first off as a as a person that does music 
that is a lot of unneeded work. It's like if, if he really just has a, a bank of, of, of ad libs that he used already, and it's just like like an ad lib library. First off, you have to sync those up, and then you have to tempo them. It's like, of course, yeah, they have money to do that, but that would just that's, it's just unneeded. You could easily have Michael just go in there and do them real quick, and it, it'll take seconds instead of days. You know, <laughs> so that's just yeah, dumb. exactly. So <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> well, you know, it's the, the, also this kind of ludicrous situation where you have somebody who comes forward and says, you know, Michael Jackson, who hasn't recorded a complete song for about 10 years. Well, in the space of about three weeks, he recorded an entire album in my shower <laughs> through a toilet roll yeah. tube. And then, and then nobody's going, um, yeah, have you got any evidence of that? They just blindly accept it at face value. And then you have these crazy fans who are like, well, why don't you present some evidence that they're fake? And you're going, well, because I'm not the one who says that Michael Jackson recorded an album in my shower. That's why I <laughs> don't have to present any evidence. If I'm going to say Michael Jackson <laughs> recorded an album in my fucking shower, then I need to present Because some... otherwise, we could all just go to the estate and sell him a bunch of shit, couldn't we? And just say, oh, yeah, he recorded that in my cellar. Yeah, well, Michael, what well, he did, he sat under the dinner table and he sang it through a traffic cone. And that's why it doesn't sound like him. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. 